1: Hello and welcome to Trek Chats, a first-time Star Trek watch podcast hosted by Chats a television podcast. I am Ensign Alan Ibrahim. Hello. Good evening. Welcome. Come to the ship. We have a replicator full of snacks. I'm joined by number two, Magellan. Welcome.
0: <laughs> hey, I like that you gave us both a serious demotion. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. We can't well people promote and change roles in this season at TNG. They don't necessarily all go up. Some are side grades. Somebody has
0: to fill in those those uh those bottom tier roles as number two and, and ensign.
1: Let's be real, we both want to be Sony at the end of the day. Let's be real. I want we to do. spill coffee on Picard.
0: <laughs> I really thought she would be more of a character, and unfortunately, they were like, yeah we're done.
1: Every time there's a new side character that I like on the show, I'm like, is it? No. no.
0: I thought Jordy was going to get like a cool girlfriend, but TNG doesn't want to give me the show that I want to watch. They want to give me a show that I want to watch that's different.
1: A a different show that I want to (laughs) watch. Yeah. If you're new, welcome. Trek Chats is a show where my friend Magellan and I, my best friend, let's be honest, uh, watched Star Trek The Next Generation for the first time. This was mm-hmm. inspired by several months ago, uh, we watched the DS9 pilot over on our Patreon, which is patreon.com chatspod. We have a tradition over there where every, uh, every year, the week after Christmas, we watch another Star Trek pilot in, in an effort to see which one is the good one. <laughs> Turns out so far, <laughs> all of them have been the good one. <laughs> and we watched DS9 and we said, oh, God, should we watch DS9? But first we must go back to the adventures of Picard, Riker, Troy, and company in mm. Star Trek The Next Generation. And so we're coming at this from a sort of young, hip, hot, millennial perspective. First time <laughs> watching these episodes. <laughs> and it's been three months since we've convened on the holodeck to talk about Star Trek. So Magellan, yeah. welcome back. Thank you. Um, how have you be been back. in the past three months?
0: I've been good. I've been just kind of hanging out in in holodeck uh programs of my favorite dime store novels just getting to know (laughs) all the characters having chats with them you know that kind of stuff
1: just just flip the genders or flip the gendered content a little bit not the genders but the gendered content and instead have it like the female captain goes to her steamy romance novels
0: (laughs) in the holodeck that would be be great (laughs) i love it really fun
1: it also makes me realize how, how similar noir is to romance. Like, it's all the same.
0: It's just a yeah, different all... coding of pain. Right. We just all want to feel sexy in some way.
1: And that's what I've been doing. I've been visiting the newly renovated um, bar that we have on the Enterprise. <laughs> I I have the, na- the name of it somewhere. Um, it's not uh, the down ten below. Ten Forward. Ten Forward. Fantastic. I've been hanging on ten floor with Gwine, and she has a lot of mysteries and secrets, and I don't know what her deal is, but she does make me feel nice, and that that's enough for me. Yeah. So, we're here, though. We're talking. We watched Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2 in its entirety in the past three months. Um, all 22 episodes of it, I believe it was. Uh and That's right. we're here to talk about him. So people should already know our history with Star Trek. If you haven't listened to Trick Chat 01, I highly encourage you to, just so you know where we're coming from. We're not going to reiterate all of that. But like I said, we are first timers here. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of new things in season two. We can talk about what the new things are first. Um, we've got some new characters on the ship. A shuffling of the cast, so to speak. Uh, we also have new outfits, new positions, and a whole new coat of paint you know and a new a slightly different writing team so first off new people i want your takes magellan we lost our <laughs> doctor dr crusher our fave Beveler. our blue jacket coated beverly crusher Beveler. departed apparently on very bad terms with the production team yeah she quit she was fired excuse me she was excuse fired, I think she she was was fired. fired. Yeah. yes Uh, Because the actress was, I think, from what I've seen from the little clips of the documentary that William Shatner did about this, uh, Trouble on the Bridge, it sounds like they didn't treat her character very well or the actress very well. Mm -hmm. To the point where, like, you know, I was also watching, maybe I'll I'll link this in the show notes, but there was a recent video essay by um, Jesse Gender, who's a great Star Trek-centric YouTuber. Mm -hmm. um, And it was about Star Trek TNG and sexuality. It was like a sexual history of Star Trek TNG. Yeah, Fantastic! I can't Essie. wait to
0: watch it. Did you watch the whole thing? It's like six hours long.
1: <laughs> so I watched it while it <laughs> premiered, so I caught it in the middle and watched like the middle two-thirds or something. Okay, gotcha. So I gotcha. watched a lot of it, but not all. I just had it on. But uh, yeah, in that section, she talks about, uh, about Crusher's actress leaving and like the the way that she was like hey guys i really know how to write and direct and i would like to start maybe directing things and they're like ah Mm -hmm. we don't know if we can fit you in meanwhile jonathan Frakes has no directing experience and one of the people on the team took him under his wing and was like i'm gonna teach Uh, you how to direct and bam you get to direct now and like no offense i love jonathan Frakes. i actually think he's a good director clock stoppers is an underrated film but (laughs) (laughs) it is what can i say Uh, you're right But also, like, give everybody a chance, guys. It's the 80s. It's going to come up a lot. Unfortunately, Star Trek The Next Generation still hasn't figured out just exactly how to write women yet. It doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like they know much beyond, like, can hold baby, can have boob, and can fall in love. Those are the three (laughs) things that women can do on Star Trek, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And can diagnose people and be horny. But those, you know, are also feminine coded things. So, uh, with the departure of, of Beverly Crusher, we get Dr. Pulaski, mm-hmm. uh, a controversial character. A lot of the fan base, I, you know, we, we we talk a little bit here on Trek Chats about the difference between the fan base and us and the difference between like the popular opinion of these characters.
0: Do people uh, not like Dr. Pulaski?
1: I think there's a sentiment. It's mixed, right? There's a sentiment that Dr. Catherine Pulaski is an annoying addition because like us, they, people really liked Crusher. Yeah. And they feel like she's unnecessary. She's a one-season edition, And mm-hmm. I think a lot of my takes on TNG come from the fact that I know that this was a real show that was made and had a lot of issues in its production. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when things are, like, awkward or bad, as we're going to talk about, I'm like, yeah, you didn't know what you were doing yet. Or you had mm-hmm. issues behind the scenes. You had a right. whole writer's strike at the finale. <laughs> right. Um, so I know I acknowledge that with Pulaski. And I think uh, Diana Muldor does a-, a shockingly good job. Mm-hmm. As this this one off character, um, who starts off really one dimensional, but goes on to have a like full bodied character arc in one season, sort of in the background of other plots, uh, but that allows her to come out at the end as like, you know, that good old Doctor Pulaski, and honestly gave me more McCoy vibes than even Crusher ever did. Yeah, definitely, which was great.
0: Yeah, I I think the thing that was unfortunate about how crusher was introduced in season one and we know that she comes back next season right or pretty soon um so we know that she comes back and i hope that this gets you know readjusted but in season one so much of her character and the way she interacted with other people was i'm wesley's mom or i have a crush on captain picard um and Pulaski is not defined by those things. I can't really think about a male character that she's defined in terms of, which is refreshing. And so she ends up spending a lot more time being like, I am doctor of ship. um, And I do think you're right that they end up leaning on writing her in that sort of like, I'm the cold medical person a la McCoy from... TOS uh but it's like fun to have that sort of character here in TNG because everybody is so like touchy-feely and warm with each other that for this person to be like yeah this is what are you talking about that guy's a robot (laughs) it's like pretty good um and it's fun to see her come around to it's fun to see her come around to like the way that the Enterprise characters treat each other by the end of the season so I really liked Dr. Pulaski. I I think as a matter of principle, I want to see Dr. Crusher return. Uh, I wish that the show was like capacious enough to include both of them uh, because I do think that they're distinct characters that would have distinct opinions about medicine and xenobiology and what it means to be in this role on the ship. Um, But, you know. It is what it is, I guess. We, we, we get what we get. But I really like Pulaski. Um, and I also thought it kind of gave Wesley... It was weird at first for Wesley's... It was weird at first for Wesley to not have his mom around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of gave Wesley space to be written f- five years older than he was written in season one, I think. Um, as less of like a, a preteen and more of like, I'm a teen as the sidekick for these adult guys who were teaching me how to be an adult um so it kind of like aged up wesley's plots in a way that i thought was was nice um, for sure not having yeah.
1: gates mcfadden there to like be his his mom not having crushed there to be his mom you're like okay now wesley has to be a character he can't just yeah. be defined right like, now he has no relationship to any family on the ship so he has to like relate to starfleet relate to picard to riker to wharf and he gets the he gets like some great development um i think we can also talk a bit here about like what how some characters have and haven't changed and i think my main takeaway with crusher in here is i still don't fully like get the wesley hate i know like the performance yeah, not is me a either. little bit tough not at all. And I don't want to go into this podcast, and I probably said this in the first one, but I don't just want to be in, here to say, like, everything the fandom says is wrong. I'm not trying to do that. I want to, like, mm-hmm. acu- like fairly critique this season and this series. But, like, I don't know. Crusher, like, isn't that annoying? There are episodes when he falls in love because that's what you do as a teenager is you fall in love. And, and they don't belabor it too much. And they're not. He's not, like, all that awkward. And otherwise, everybody kind of treats him like, you know, a young adult. And they give him things to do. And he does them pretty successfully you know he's not even yeah. like woefully incompetent or rude or anything like that
0: yeah and i, I think so, he ends up serving a role on the show where he kind of draws a side out of characters like picard or riker that other characters can't access where he yeah. is able to ask them questions about like well why did you lead a life like this why do you mm-hmm. feel this way why are you hiding this thing or why do you do that or how do i you know, become a leader. And I don't know, I I really like Wesley and his role. And I think Will Wheaton's doing a great job. Um, I can understand how, you know, there might be this kind of feedback loop when you're having conversations with other fans over the course of years and years and years, where it's just like, yeah, Wesley's kind of annoying. And then the next person is like, yeah, Wesley, ah, pretty annoying. And then all of a sudden, enough people are saying it that everybody's reinforcing that opinion and it becomes like the right opinion yeah. uh, just by virtue of the social aspect of being in a fandom. But I think at worst, Wesley is like a kid who's like vaguely annoying. Um, yeah. And maybe you're not interested in seeing a kid character. I don't know, but I like him. I, I think he's good. And I think the Wesley centric plots are one of the stronger, some of the stronger plots in the season.
1: What I came to appreciate the most about him in this one is, you know, he's on the bridge more and they give him a little bit of like, control. But most importantly, like he's actively pursuing a career in Starfleet. And so we get to see not only what the the Enterprise has to do as a like commissioned ship in Starfleet, like they have to do practice exercises and they have to help out ambassadors. But also Wesley has to like take classes and do training and he has friends and students. Like he has his own little storyline, you know, about like getting better and, and, like, understanding what he wants to do within Starfleet, like, what role he wants to take in. Um, it seems like he's leaning towards a science career. And I think that gives him, like, a lot of interesting things to do that we really explore. Like, this this season, overall, I would say, is a stretching of the legs. It's, you know, expanding the scope of what TNG is about and what the characters are able to do and explore. And what the world is also, like, what, what, what parts of the world we're able to see. Um, so I really liked that, mm-hmm. and like Wesley's stuff definitely tied into that for me.
0: Yeah, I I think we have to talk about the other major character addition of season two, which is Guinan, who's yes, awesome. <laughs> like Willby Goldberg, uh, just eats up every scene that she's in and is the most interesting person in the room always. And they just there's no like. The thing that's funny to me is we've seen ahead. Um, we watched whatever that was called—the season three finale and season four premiere—in order to watch the DS Nine pilot because it's the context for it. Uh-huh. And Guinan's in that, um, and so I've seen her in the show before. So to me, it's like, whoa, this like really cool character that's always giving people advice. Like, we're gonna get an introduction to her that explains, you know, why. She has this relationship with everybody, and no, it's just hey, welcome to season two. Sometimes we go to the bar, and uh, the bartender has some really smart, mysterious things to say. Anyway, um, which is uh, kind of funny.
1: Gyn is a character that you like, and also the introduction of tent forward are just things that, once again, every other sci-fi franchise has like, like just full, full full-on cribbed from TNG. Mm -hmm. Like bar on the ship, every show does that. I love, love, love having a bar on the ship. Ten Forward doesn't serve; it it serves alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages, so like they can have Wesley there. And Guinan, like we learned some interesting background things about her in this season, but even just from her first uh, appearance, I was like, wow, yeah, I, I love the idea that she's just been here and we didn't see her do stuff, but she was around. And it makes sense that she's here, and she doesn't belabor her presence. She just gives good advice, helps people come to terms with certain things that they already know. Like she's, you know, the group's therapist. And yeah, and in a way, and I,
0: like I will, s- I will say, um, it's important to acknowledge that, like, this is, this is a racist trope. Um, yeah, this is like a magical Negro trope that's happening yes. here, um, and. That's problematic. Uh, And I wish the show, maybe the show is going to like explore more from her perspective later. But I think acknowledging that trope and the implications of it, I think you can still recognize that like Whoopi Goldberg is giving a really engaging performance and she's like funny and the dialogue is really sharp. Um, So it's still entertaining um, but it, it's yeah also important to say that like that is the trope that's operating here with with Kynan.
1: In the same Jesse Gender video, she she talks about Kynan briefly and has on a like fellow YouTuber who's like a young black woman, and she says the exact same thing, which is like, yes, they're doing that stereotype, and she does a lot with the material and is able to ascend beyond the stereotype yeah, into definitely. a character that feels fleshed out and interesting enough. For the brief time that she's there, they can do better and they all go on to do better with other characters, you know, in future franchises. As I understand, mm-hmm. we eventually get a black captain and say about that what you will. But like, as on the page here, I think we both really enjoyed and I was really happy to see her. Yeah. I even I had not spoiled for myself the whole Q relationship thing. um, And that was kind of fun. And how like subtle it's dropped because mm-hmm. the thing about watching TNG that I'm also realizing, and this gets into my broader point about this season, is like TNG is just a show you watch. It's not a show where you look up like I understand skip lists. You know, we here at Chats don't really endorse skip lists, but I understand yeah. why people use them. You have limited time and you want to watch a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a show that you can just put on your TV and go cook and go do a little bit of work and go do homework. Um and, like, I, I probably streamed half of the season for our Discord, um, you know, all right, which you can access by just finding contacting us and we'll, if you ask nicely, I'll gladly invite you. But I was, like, watching with people and I was like, this is just, like, fun. I don't need, like, episodes where, like, this is an important one. And, like, learning the guy thing, the fact that it's so quickly just said that, like, she's probably hundreds of years old and then they move past it is great. I don't... I didn't need, like a in back backstory episode. Uh, I just love that about this season is that they they drop meaningful things. Like the Borg, for example, are also introduced in season two. And we Uh know from (laughs) what we've seen of like the beginning of TS9 that like the Borg matter. But like the way the Borg are introduced is just like, hey, here's some guys you can't beat. Don't worry about it right now. Just, just <laughs> we'll put them in your pocket. To them
0: in about a season and a half. See you later.
1: Yeah. And that's fascinating from a storytelling perspective that like these people it's not to say yeah. they were thinking about like we have to craft these elegant long-term arcs, but like I don't know, it makes me think that there is a little bit more consideration to this other than just 110% story of the week. But it's fine and good that they do that as well. Like you can turn on any particular episode of TNG and just be like, okay, who's in this one? All right, this is a guy episode. Great. Like mm-hmm. that detail about her doesn't like radically transform what we know about the show, but it's yeah. just like, Oh, that's useful. Cool. Nice to know. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I it, really it's, love that. It,
0: it's an interesting show to, You know, I think the further we get away from this era of television, the more I think about it. And the more I wonder about the merits and the drawbacks of this time where, kind of more procedural or, you know, like sitcoms or things like that, uh, where there's a situation of the week that our characters are engaging with. You know the characters, you know how they act, you know what they're going to say and do more or less, where that was kind of the dominant form of storytelling. Um, And it raises the question of like, how do you interact with a show like that now when you have instantaneous access to every single episode of it and it's it's interesting because like i think i can understand the skip list mentality with the mentality of wanting to like binge something if your goal is i just want to get the best episodes that are most consequential to the plot and i want to move through it um and it's sort of different philosophy to say i want to have this show be like a fixture of my life For a short period of time, um, which is how you were watching it, where it's like, okay, for this next, you know, couple weeks or month or whatever, I'm going to watch a few episodes a night or an episode a night. And I sort of know what it's like to lock into a Star Trek episode. Mm -hmm. I think that ultimately is like the most fun way to watch it, because as someone who binged basically the whole season in the last like five days or whatever Mm -hmm. um it suffers from being watched that way i think because a lot of episodes are just like remixes of the themes and ideas and character beats of other episodes yeah that's just something i'm thinking about that you know how you approach the actual like experience of sequencing out episodes and how you watch them i think affects the extent to which you enjoyed them because you're meant to i think have one of these at a time and be like mm yum that was great okay i'll come back to this in a couple days or in a week or something like that
1: right it's like try and and you are someone who's also like binged sitcoms before i know like was it last year or 2 years ago you watched all of malcolm in the middle in like a couple weeks cuz like mm-hmm. and that's a show that extremely like show you can have on and you don't have to worry about like long term plots i think what my experience watching tng especially season 2 did for me was it gave me a much greater attachment to individual moments and episodes, which is why mm-hmm. I felt mm-hmm. better about the finale than I'm sure 90% of the fan base did is because <laughs> I was like, Oh, I just watched that. That's awesome. I got the reference without looking it up. And like, it's a bad clip show. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> it's like a very low rent clip show, but mm-hmm. I still felt so good about being like, that's encounter Farpoint," far point. And like, yeah, The shows that we talk about, the serialized dramas that that take over so much of television now that are so binge focused, came out of this type of storytelling where you just drip feed a little bit about Guinan, about Wesley, about Riker's dad. And then overall, it forms this picture of the series that like different people can jump on at different points and have completely full bodied experiences with the series. They don't have to have you don't have to have watched everything. But in a way, it's been rewarding to like sit and and like sip each one of them, so to speak. Watch one, maybe two a night. And I, I like mm-hmm. fell off for a little while and I ended up watching like, you know, six or seven in the past like couple days. But like overall, I got to watch season two in a very measured pace. And I thought it was perfect for that. And like by the end, I was like, I, I told you, like I felt a deep emptiness in my heart that like until we record this episode, I can't watch more Star Trek. <laughs> like I cannot ruin the next part for myself uh so it's great also that we get to record this because i'm gonna go start season three uh, right after this um <laughs> but you know giving ourselves three months you also like have the opportunity to split it up in different ways and like watch a couple over dinner or re-watch them like that's why we take these huge breaks is also so we can watch other stuff because like uh and this is my last point on this really really but my friends have late in the past couple of weeks, as I've been watching these last couple episodes, are like, "Oh, have you finished Severance? Have you finished uh this like documentary that I, I linked to you?" And I'm like, "Guys, I live in Star Trek right now. I'm on the Enterprise. You don't talk to me. <laughs> like all I do is watch Star Trek, <laughs> and you know that's fun in itself as well. Like just in like like you said, yeah. making it your personality for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um." But anyway, so we have, that's the main brand new characters, I believe. We also get some one-offs like Sonia, who we mentioned that we really loved, um, who doesn't mm-hmm. go on to appear again until Lower Decks, apparently, uh, as a background yeah, for character. An, for an episode. Yep. Uh,
0: there's uh, also R- Rikerbeard, of course, is here.
1: Earlier when you said the best new character that we all need to talk about, I seriously <laughs> thought you were yeah, going to say. I,
0: I knew you were thinking I was going to say that. Um, should- Rikerbeard is a horizontal move
1: whoa i think watching the finale and seeing encounter at farpoint riker again i was like yeah yeah he was good too yeah we were wrong he's good too
0: Jonathan frank's just sexy i mean what can you say what's what's
1: real is that he has like the riker lean now like the you know he leans on desks and and chairs a lot uh that's really great he has like more confidence and even like you look at season one Riker and you're like, oh, this guy's kind of scrawny, and like Freak's bulked up a little bit. It's not just the beard; <laughs> it's the personality. And the I, he always
0: had the lean, but he is a little more, a little more, uh, yeah, bulky now.
1: Just a little bit, and just enough that you're like, oh yeah, and like he feels more confident. He's like effortlessly sexual and funny. I love, I love, love, love Riker, and the beard is a, it's a thumbs up for me. But I agree, it's not the like. I know like the meme used to be that the show gets good as soon as Riker gets the beard and it's like well first of all the show was good from episode two and second of all the beard is a horizontal move like you said that's that. that's that's the Alan and Magellan take um yeah. and then the very last like big new change is just people have shifted positions on the enterprise um so we uh, we get because we have no more uh oh gosh I'm so sorry what's her name blonde woman who died Tasha yeah. oh Tasha Yar, because there's no more Tasha Yar, there's a whole insecurities, like, uh, you know, hierarchy. So Jordi and Worf are both in yellow, because yellow is engineering insecurity. Deanna Troy gets a more normal outfit. I like this outfit for her. It's still a little horny, but everyone wears tight outfits on the show. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's it's a just, level up. It's
0: just weird that she is the only person <laughs> whose outfit exposes her cleavage. I don't really understand the Starfleet regulations there, but hey.
1: Marina Sardis was treated like Garbo on this show apparently. Yeah. And yeah. it becomes more and more apparent and we'll talk about Deanna in these. And then yeah, those are the main big ones. And then Wesley is now has level has kind of upgraded in Starfleet's training program. Uh he's got
0: a cool sweater shirt now. Yeah, good. he's
1: not just in the like grey thing. My friend, I had a. I'll tell, I'll talk about this when we get to the episode. But I, I watched a I made an episode in the middle of the season with a friend who's never watched Star Trek before, and uh, one of the first thing he, he first things he asked was, "What do the color of the shirts mean?" Because don't doesn't everybody who wears red die? And I was like, "No, it's." And I had to like Google what they all meant and like explain it. And he was mm-hmm. like, "What about the gray shirt?" And I was like, "Oh no, mm-hmm. that's just Wesley. He's not ranked. Yet. <laughs> oh. He doesn't have a rank." But uh, yeah, yeah. that that's our uh, that's our table setting. Um yeah. it's a new season. I want to also just say like literally from episode 1, The Child, I was like they're making directorial choices now. They are like mm-hmm. using the camera in different ways. It's not entirely static. Yeah, we have new sets. We have like engineering rooms. We have a shuttle set. We have a shuttle uh, bay set. We have Ten Forward obviously. Like we have the Enterprise has expanded in a really cool way and also the yeah. way that they shoot it has expanded.
0: Yeah, there's a lot more we're staying in we have more rooms on the enterprise and we're staying in those rooms more often um, because the other thing that I noted from the like clip show uh, at the end of the season Mm -hmm. is there was a lot more like TOS kind of we're hanging out in the plastic rocks looking soundstage stuff in season one and season two feels more like a single camera drama where we have our sets that we go to a lot we're in the boardroom again so let's shoot it a brand new way to make it look like a new space let's use the lighting in in the bar in a cool way one of my favorite shots honestly was um there's the shot of wesley where he's like sitting sad in the bar and he just has a glass of seltzer water and the bubbles are like aggressively rising to the top of the water lit from underneath from the table. There's like lots of cool lighting yeah. stuff they do in in the 10 forward. Um so yeah, I agree. Visually much more striking and, and much more contemporary feeling than season one.
1: I got really emotional when they did that first pan through the ship in 201 and I was like, oh my God, I'm back. Here's everybody. Everyone's got mm-hmm. like you have new shirts. This is so good. I love the Enterprise. And it really shows that like you don't have to have too many new sets. You can do a lot with the sets that you have, Yeah. and they super do. Um, yeah. Uh,
0: you want to talk about oh, some like? Yeah. one ahead. other character thing. Um, O'Brien, O'Brien is just around all the time.
1: My king, my king, Cole. It's great. Is I the best side character on this show. Holy yeah. crap! I love O'Brien so. Uh, we started saying hashtag O'Brien watch every time O'Brien was on screen in the Discord because. Oh, nice. I freaking love the dude so much. He gets to be funny. He gets to yeah. be Irish. He gets to just That's do great. things. It's so good. We're not, we get one more season of O'Brien, I believe. Maybe more. I forget how that works when he goes to DS9. But.
0: Well, DS9 happens way later, I think. So. But I on think...
1: this show, because didn't they like, weren't they coming out at the same time? Or is that also wrong?
0: Yeah, but I think it's like season five or something. It's like, or okay. six. It's later. When Cause, does cause O'Brien the, leave TNG? Because DS Nine happens a couple of years after the episodes in TNG that like set it up.
1: Uh huh, that makes sense. Uh see, yeah, you're right though. Season four is when we don't get O'Brien anymore. So we have, oh, yeah, we have we have time with the boy. He's so funny. I love having a like on deck transporter guy. All he has to do is click the buttons and yet he gets to be so funny and, and goofy. And I love him very much. Thank you for remi- reminding me that he was here. Um, I want more weird side characters like O'Brien. But let's talk about some overall theme stuff really briefly. Um, sure. It's not, like I said, this is a dramatic procedural show with some serialized elements. So it's not like they seeded too many thematic things. But I think the big one we have to talk about is Data. Uh The show suddenly really, 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 really cares about Data. really
0: interested in Data, yeah.
1: The first half of the season, it's like every episode is here's an OKA plot, and then the Data plot is amazing, and you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I love Data. The show finally gets that Data is sentient. He has humanity. What does it even mean to be human? We're tackling all of those things within episodes that, again, don't even have to center on him, but just getting Data plots sprinkled throughout we learn so much about who he is and he becomes such a fleshed out character. I love every bit with data in the season.
0: Yeah. And it seems like they use him a lot to ask what is a, a core question of season two that I don't think was as core of a question of season one, which is what you said of what does it mean to be human? What are kind of the core aspects of humanity? And sometimes they ask that through data. He's learning to crack jokes. He's learning how to bluff in poker. He's like learning about having friendship and stuff. Sometimes they ask those questions through Wesley and ask about like, what does it mean to like grow up uh, Mm -hmm. and become an adult? They also do a lot more with Worf uh, and explore the like kind of romantic sentimental side of being a Klingon. Um, And you know, what does humanity look like from that perspective? So it's it's cool. They're asking different questions than season one, which was really more about like, hey, you aliens, we got to tell you the rules right now because you're screwing up your society. Um, yeah. And so we're just- shifting away from like there are more kind of Wesley kid adventures in season one. There are more away team stuff and, and now it's more kind of characterful and uh, mm-hmm. and human in a way that's cool.
1: And that in a big part comes from like changes on the writing team, right? Because as we talked about in, in season one, in trek Chats 1, Ron and Barry didn't want characters to grow up and to change and to, to have conflict at all because in Starfleet, you don't have that. And like, he's still involved. Uh, it's like, he's a big... Reason that like a lot of the women are not treated well on the show, but also he's still the reason that like certain plots end in ways that you're like, that's weird. Why did they just make that so neat and clean? And it's because they were like, this is the mandate is people can't change too much. But I think all of the characters get to come out of this season with growth and personality in ways that it feels like a different show sometimes. Like I went back and watched some season one stuff, and after this, and I was like, oh, they like didn't even have an idea of who Wharf was. Like you said. Until A Matter of Honor, until, like, all these different storylines about Worf. And now I'm like, Worf is my best friend, and I'll die for him in a moment's (laughs) notice. Uh So, yeah, I think the the focus on character is what made season two fantastic. But the Mm -hmm. data stuff in particular, concluding with, of course, probably my favorite episode of the season, A Measure of a Man, or The Measure of a Man. Uh, it's the famous one, you know. It's kind of an easy answer, but I am a sucker for a, a legal procedural, so um, we'll <laughs> talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in general the season's a bit hornier than the first one. Um,
0: <laughs> it's pretty horny, but also there was that horny montage in the last episode that reminded you of how horny season one was. So yes, yes. There, uh, it's a tough contest, I think.
1: Well, women get to be horny in this one, also. You know, true. Get to, it's, true. God, what's the line? In the last one where uh, Pulaski is like, Choi, what are his emotions? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. They're just really strong. Yeah, Commander's right, Ry- Ry- Commander Riker's emotions are rather passionate. As in erotic? Very much so. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, guys. Let's watch a whole montage every time Riker had a boner. much so. <laughs> basically what they're doing and Uh, then like Pulaski gets to be horny too i that's why i'm like can we keep Pulaski just so like an older woman can be horny too that's fine it's awesome uh and then overall like stuff that star trek is always about disability the concept Mm -hmm. of bodies and like what do bodies need to do and why do we use them ageism Mm -hmm. how we treat the elderly and also like sometimes clumsy metaphors for racism it's all still here um, and they handle it in different ways. And then my last big one was just, I think we got a little bit more of, like, understanding how the Enterprise fits into Starfleet's overall plan and, like, the Enterprise as a military vessel. Like, I really enjoyed episodes that are about, like, we have to do this exercise because, I don't know, Starfleet says so. Uh, and, like, we have jobs that we want to do, but Starfleet's, like, pointing us in another direction and we have to do things based on the Prime Directive. It's less about the Prime Directive than Season 1, but it does always underlie every question and decision that picard has to make it's like okay they didn't forget about the prime directive but it's not like the central thesis of the season as much um so i just really enjoyed all of that stuff overall but uh yeah those are the main those are the main like new things um did you want to talk about the episodes
0: yeah let's do it so we can do our tier list rankings the way that we did in our first episode so we are using standard tiers, S, A, B, C, F, and then we had a tier that was bad but actually good or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to still use that one?
1: Yeah, we can We can use think, the same one.
0: I think so. Um, okay, so you've got a thing open. You're sharing your screen? Great. Already, my Can card you card. add that tier? So add an F How and then you should be able to add
1: a row below there you go yeah and we're going to call this tier f
0: yeah i don't think we even need a d i think it can just well no we'll keep d i guess just in okay.
1: case gives us a little flexible so s a d s a b c d f traditional tier list of rules
0: yeah and then a bad but actually good is, oh, is yes. the last one perfect There we go cool um great and I, we did some captains logs. Um, I did them sort of like in batches of episodes. So I'm going to play the first like minute or so of my first one, just to kind of set the table of some things that I was thinking about when I watched this first chunk. So that sound good to you? Sounds great. Great. Captain's log, June twenty eighth. That's Mel and nine twenty six. Curring in the background. Ooh, early. I've recently completed the first eight episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, and from what I understand, Episode 9 is a big one, so I wanted to log my thoughts here before I move forward. So far, Season 2 has felt like the better episodes of Season 1. It hasn't blown me away with quality, there's been some really strange moments, um, and mostly a lot of... Star Trek The Next Generation kind of just doing what I expect it to do. I think the season premiere was a low lowlight, um, really strange depiction of pregnancy and of Deanna Troy's motivations and choices, which just the whole plot feels especially strange given recent events um, in our country that I'm sure Alan and I will dive into a little bit more um and then there are other episodes that just struck a strange chord or a bit of letdowns like the okana episode for example i forgot about that um one. <laughs> and then a handful of episodes that were kind of classic tng in a way that was comforting but not particularly surprising i'll, I'll sort of fade me out here i think those are so we'll get to those um but there were definitely some episodes in this first chunk that were kind of like okay you're doing a classic tng formula right now go off or like
1: you're doing you're doing a tos rejected plot which is how i felt about some of them for sure
0: yeah um do you want to talk about the child you you have a captain's log about the child also
1: i do let's use that as as a springboard okay
0: i'll play that for us
1: captain's log season two episode one the child we're going to keep this one brief because I know that last time we did Trek chats, my diaries went a little bit long. And so now we're going to be brief. I'm sure Magellan and Alan are already laughing about this. <laughs> I'm going to talk about The Child, a really interesting episode with a bad A plot. You guys can talk about Troy's baby. You guys can talk about the new outfits if you haven't already. You we can have. talk about Crusher and Guinan. You can talk about mm-hmm. the new, the 10 forward, which is pretty sick um you can talk about all that stuff um and then also just hey i thought that the pregnancy stuff was pretty awkward um i'm gonna do a joke because this is being played live alan what number am i thinking of 46 that's right 65 good job alan (laughs) high five (laughs) fuck anyways that's all i got peace out
0: were you supposed to get it right?
1: Yeah, I wrote it down in my notes. it's at the top of mine, It says Alan, the number is sixty five. Don't get it wrong.
0: Damn it. No way. <laughs> well, that was such an own goal. I love it.
1: It's funnier that I got it wrong. I had a feeling that was yeah. gonna happen, honestly. It's definitely funny that you got it wrong.
0: <laughs> um okay, so we'll talk about the child briefly. Essentially the A-plot here is that Deanna Troy is pregnant. We're not sure why. It's progressing extremely rapidly. She ends up giving birth to a child, the child, who grows up extremely rapidly. Um, And it turns out that this is like an alien creature who wanted to observe humans. And so the way that it chose to do that was by impregnating itself into Deanna Troy and being a a human kid for a little while. Um, And I, I don't know. It's just it's weird and it's an episode that kind of like uses some of the language of discussions about choosing to have a kid or not, or there's like talk of getting rid of the child, giving her an abortion. Um, and it just feels like the episode like brings that stuff up and like brushes against a a controversial and sensitive topic and then has no interest in like, saying something about it or telling a story that's careful about those things. I thought the only scene that really worked for me was when we're in the discussion room and all of these men are talking about like what to do with Deanna Troy's baby. And the sound kind of fades out and we're zooming in on her and on the picture of um, the fetus. And that's what we were talking about before of like, that's a directorial choice that's putting ourselves in this character's position, telling a story. And then the episode really has no interest in that and ends up telling this bizarre story where she's like, no, my baby, I have to raise my baby. Why don't take my baby away from me? And it's like, okay, this is kind of, this is kind of dumb.
1: It's, I can't, I really am struggling to get past the, the present situation that we're living in in discussing the child. It feels like it's a specter hanging over this one. And I watched it right before all of the Roe v. Wade stuff was happening. Mm, Me too. But like, it's still, I think about it and it's like, in a way it is a pro-life episode, right? It's like, why don't you let Mm -hmm. me have this? It was born. And they're like, well, you can't possibly be a mother on the ship like this, especially of an alien that like, didn't, you didn't consensually like let yourself do this. It happened to you. So right. it's all there and like you cannot tell me these writers who we already know are a lot of like really really awful white guys a lot of them are mm-hmm. yeah. uh weren't in some way being like this just makes sense guys like what do you mean this is like a woman's right to choose to keep a baby and it's like oh, yeah. guys but there's like in the 80s you should have known better you know <laughs> like yeah and it just it really left a sour taste in my mouth and I I was very disappointed for the season to start on such a stinker it's also not a particularly interesting like plot. It's not handled that well. Um, And I think it just, it goes to show how much they do Deanna to kind of dirty this season by Mm -hmm. like the episode that centers on her is about her being forcefully impregnated and wanting to keep the child. And that's, that's all. And like the decision to, to have it leave is not up to her also. Like, you know yeah this is like and, men deciding a woman's <laughs> autonomy
0: yeah and like you can definitely tell a story about a female character who's like look the circumstances of this pregnancy are horrible and i'm making this choice but throughout the episode it just feels like she's possessed by the alien or something like it's not clear that she is making decisions totally from herself like it it, the episode is not super straightforward about it so like her agency and all of this is is really muddled and it's it's just a strange episode and roe v wade initially was decided in 1973 so like bing bong this is like the immediate past of of this episode's um writing so yeah Clearly, still a hot button issue at the time, um, especially in a post Reagan America, mm-hmm. um, you know. But uh, anyway, I would say it's like a what D tier. Yeah,
1: it's a D. I I, I would I would push for an F tier, honestly. F tier it, is cool. Yeah, it's just like what's good. Well, the stuff that's good is like, oh, Pulaski is racist, but at the time, I hated it. So, like, Mm -hmm. I fully hated this episode while I was watching it, and we're a 1st time watch podcast, so I have to tell you how I felt when I watched it. Knowing that, like, oh, they were seeding that Pulaski was going to, like, learn to love Data is good, but, like, the way they handle her space racism in this episode sucks. It's so, like, 101. He, it, is talking to me. Data, I'm pronouncing his name wrong, or it, it's not a thing. Like, it's just super lazy writing, and it's, like, they got better at it, they figured That's it out. Fair. But in this episode, I was like, I don't even care about the B plot. What are you guys doing with
0: this? Yeah. I, I think that Gaynan is introduced really well and in the interactions that she has with Wesley are charming in this mm-hmm. one. Um but it's not enough to salvage the episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think an F is, is fair.
1: Next is where Silence has Lease which I mostly know for the really gross face of the enemy in this episode. Uh-huh, yeah. Nagilum? Nad- Nagilum? I can't remember the, how to say the guy's name.
0: <laughs> yeah, this uh- one is like one of those ones that I mentioned is like, okay, you're doing a TNG thing, you're in space, and there's some sort of space god who wants you to make a morally gray choice, and you're going to choose not to. Because basically he's like, Hey, I wanna see how all the ways you die, so kill all your people, half your people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, No, we're gonna kill no. all the people instead. Fuck you, space space guy. Um so, You know what you know what brings yeah. us
1: to a C for me? What's that? There's a uh, once they realize that it's very likely that the whole crew is going to die, even though like cause we talk a lot on chats about the idea of fake tension and how like in a show like this, when they say a character is going to die. You know it's not going to happen, and so it feels false to say, like, we're, we're all concerned about his health because, like, it's a, sh- it's a show that has more episodes. Like, I'm, I don't believe you. But, huh. like, Picard lecturing people about the meaning of death while they play that, like, beautiful piano song. I think it's Jimnopedy number one uh, huh. under him. I'm like, this is great. Like, they gave Patrick mm-hmm. Stewart, like, some he gave this some gravitas. Yeah. It, the line, what we are goes beyond Euclidean or other practical measuring systems. Uh, it's, like, very clever. And then finally, like, Troy and Data having to be like, no, wait, we don't, like, all just get to die. I'm glad <laughs> we're having these conversations, but, like, chill, chill. Yeah. I think that gives it a C for me.
0: Yeah, I'm willing to give it a C. I think it's, it is the definition of, like, a fine episode. Yeah. It, it's, it's, like, a it's, little it's, boring, but it's not bad. Agreed. Agreed. I think this is the one where they, like, Riker and Worf are on, the version of the bridge where they keep walking through the doors and they're back on the bridge or whatever. Is it that one?
1: I don't think it's that one.
0: Okay. Well, whatever episode that was, that was a cool visual.
1: Yeah. There. I think that might be the Icarus fact. No, it's the one after the Icarus fact. It's pen pals. Um, no, 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 it, no, no,
0: I think it might've been this one.
1: Okay. That part's good, but that keeps yeah. it in, in sea territory. Uh, another thing that's big in TNG season two is the hollow deck.
0: Uh-huh. But Every this is,
1: holodeck episode is a banger. Uh,
0: but this is also like a very TNG season one thing of like, and now Data is going to play Sherlock Holmes for an episode.
1: Yeah, but they did some cool... This is We're talking about elementary deer Data for folks. Uh-huh. Um, this is the episode with the Moriarty stuff, right? Yeah. That, I love it, dude. That oh, Speaking of discussions of humanity, <laughs> when they go to Moriarty and they're like... You know we have to delete you and he's like True. but I but I know really but I know I'm alive and they're like yeah but we don't we can't acknowledge that cuz mm-hmm. our version of the world doesn't work if everything in the holodeck is real so I guess we can just hit control s and save you and throw you away on the desktop or something like just don't look at you <laughs> wild amazing oh yeah. and the way Moriarty like knows that like this is happening and he like messes up the holodeck simulation mm-hmm. i thought that stuff was fantastic
0: yeah, that stuff was pretty good. I I think it takes me a minute to get over the way that TNG, like, loves the things that, like, fucking boomers love, you know? I don't yeah. know. Like, when it's like, oh, it's a Sherlock Holmes episode. Or it's like, oh, now we're Dixon Hill, Private Eye. Or, like, let's go listen to jazz. Or, you know, stuff that, like uh is just so specific to i'm an older guy in the 80s and this is what i grew up with and these are like the kind of tentpole things of popular culture that sci-fi always 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 draws on um and so what i like about it is what you were saying with the moriarty stuff i like that Geordi's like let's go solve a mystery and data solves it too fast i like that um dr Pulaski is like okay let's Get it to give you an original problem because you can only solve things that you've read about before. You can't actually solve a new problem, uh, which is a cooler way to explore Pulaski being um, discriminatory towards androids and coming around on that stuff. Um, All that stuff is great. And then I think just like the, the window dressing of like it's a Sherlock Holmes story. I'm like, okay, that's kind of boring, but it's fine.
1: Yeah. It's just like Data goes to the holodeck to be her Sherlock Holmes. I'll watch it any day of the week, but I'm not going to like rate that highly. It's the Moriarty sentient stuff. It's the fact that the holodeck shuts off its own override. A thing in the holodeck turned <laughs> off the ability to deactivate the holodeck. And you're like, <laughs> right. what the fuck have we made? What did we do yeah.
0: that this thing yeah. can just...
1: It's and I think you wrote in your notes somewhere like why would you keep the holodeck at this point? It's like so dangerous <laughs> to keep yeah. the
0: holodeck. Every time someone goes in there, it like endangers their life, basically. Yeah, I told
1: uh, I told you that friend I watched um an episode with uh it was a later holodeck episode, and the first thing he asked uh, was like like, when the guy pulls a gun on Picard in that episode, he's like, yeah. oh, it's fine, right? He's, like, not going to die. And I was like, no, th- actually, the rule is he does die. It's kind of like <laughs> bananas. And I don't know why, but that's how they programmed it. Because uh-huh. that's the only way it feels real. Yeah. Uh, which I just, I can take, I can watch so many holiday episodes. I love these corny sets. I love yeah. that Moriarty's played by the butler from The Nanny. That was a fun uh, bit of casting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, like, my last thing is that uh, Troy, no- like, can read the emotions of Moriarty and the holodeck, which really fully breaks open, A, what a Betazoid can do, and, two, how sentient the holodeck is. That it, like, has uh. readable emotions. They're not, like, pro. She's like, oh, I feel like it's worried about dying or whatever. And it's like, oh, shit. Oh, God, no. <laughs> we are going to just hit the delete button on that guy, aren't we? Yeah. But, um. The yeah, thing I liked the,
0: the thing I liked about this episode, um is it it did one of my favorite Picard things that he does multiple times in the season, which is when somebody fucks up like big time, he just bites his tongue and he's like, Okay, uh, yeah, let's fix that. Like when <laughs> when Geordie's like, ah shoot, I programmed a thing to be able to beat data, and data's so smart, and now it's gonna destroy the whole ship. Picard quietly goes, "Mered," and then he says, "Yeah, I, underst- I understand, Lieutenant. <laughs> like, okay, yep. go off. I'm not, I'm not mad. We're gonna fix it."
1: He's a really good picture of a leader, honestly. He listens yes. to people really well. Yeah, he doesn't yell too much when he does. It matters. Like, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I I would give this a high A if not an S. Honestly, for myself. No,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> I'll give it a B. It is not oh, an A. Oh God, I'm a
1: this is an S it's in my heart.
0: So not an S tier episode. I'll, I'll compromise on A with you, but okay. it is not that good.
1: Do you have an S tier episode in this season besides Measure of Man?
0: Not off the top of my head.
1: Okay, great. I'm excited. Uh, fair enough. So that gets an A. Uh, the outrageous Okona. Hey, did you, what would happen if literally Han Solo <laughs> fell into Star Trek? Wouldn't that be weird? He would this, fuck everyone
0: on the ship. <laughs> this starts like a multi-episode streak where a new male character thinks Deanna Troy is hot. It happens like three or four episodes in a row where someone's like, oh, man, you're pretty attractive. huh. And it's I don't like it. I don't like okay. this guy. Uh, this plot goes to stupid place. The data trying to be funny plot is an S tier plot. That's an S tier plot. Yes, that's, that's yes.
1: Agreed, agreed. The Okana stuff is
0: is dorky, garbage. This is the best, Gar- one of
1: the better yeah. B plots of the season, and one of the worst A plots of the season. So it's really hard yeah. to rate. Yeah, I mean, does this land as a flat C because of that, or is it lower?
0: Um, I think it's more entertaining than the space face guy one. Yeah, the second episode. The, uh, the
1: humor stuff is so good. Yeah, you're right.
0: I would. Uh, it could share the C tier but maybe it's c tier and that space face guy one is a d tier episode
1: i I, I yeah i can push that no i think that's right um i don't i don't feel a strong pull to have where silence has Lisa as c tier let's put that down to d yeah give okana c
0: there's something kind of interesting about wesley meeting this okana guy and being like yeah is that the kind of man i want to become yeah oh he's kind of sad all the time hey why are you sad all the time and then that's the reason that he tries to fix things mm-hmm. uh but the resolution of it being like actually i never did anything wrong i was actually a great guy helping these these kids the whole time is a little silly so yeah uh
1: yeah i think it's it does what it's trying to do there and i like the essay stuff but overall i'm like eh. It's kind of forgettable. I did learn that Okana, the actor who plays him, is the guy who was passed up to play Riker.
0: He did have a, a, the same height and beard <laughs> and lean, so that makes sense.
1: I think there's a read of like, yeah, he's this is like Riker meeting another version of himself, kind of. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. Joe Pisco plays the comedian in the holodeck that, uh, what's it called, that Data tries to emulate and learn from, and that's great casting. Yes. Uh, he does like definitely. a good Jerry Lewis impression. All that stuff is good, like you said. Yeah. Um, want to talk and Guinan in that
0: plot is so good. <laughs> and then the fact that the last line Data says is, Take my wharf, please. Yeah. God, that's, God, that's funny. That's a anyway. high five in the writer's room moment. Yeah. Loud as a whisper. Um, yeah, loud as a whisper. This one I th- was more interesting than I at first su- expected it to be. This yeah. is the one with Riva, the uh, kind of negotiator guy who has three people with him who speak on his behalf um the reason they give is that he's deaf uh and so they sort of have like a telepathic link with him and they speak for different parts of his personality um and he's trying to broker a peace deal with this planet that has uh been seeing conflict for generations and generations um i thought it was pretty good actually
1: yeah me too i was really surprised uh, this is where I was like, oh, season two is like doing cool stuff. This is an away team mission that works and doesn't seem to be too high budget because it's just actors. It's a fascinating acting exercise and a really cr- cool like discussion of how you communicate with other people and how conflict resolution works because this guy is like a expert negotiator. That's why they need him, right? I mm-hmm. never, I don't usually like the away team episodes where they're like, we found an expert blank and we need to rescue him. Mm-hmm. But I think what ascends this episode to be status for me is... They actually got a deaf actor to play him and like he consulted on the episode. Oh and, wow. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. He consulted on the episode and he actually changed the ending or he, he pushed he pushed them to change the ending.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: Right? Yeah, so the original ending as I understood was that it was like he was going to find another way to communicate, like to talk. And he was mm-hmm. like actually what we're trying to say about the disabled the the disabled community is like they don't need to cater to us. We need to encompass them into society because they belong mm-hmm. here and mm-hmm. they're they're valuable as much as any other human being is. Let's yeah. us learn sign language because why not? And I thought that yeah. was like really progressive for Star Trek at the time, honestly.
0: Yeah. I thought that was an incredible way to resolve because I thought what it was going to be is he was going to get Data, Deanna, and Geordi to be his new chorus of people or whatever. Yeah. And it's like the power of making new friends. But it was, yeah, a much cooler ending for him to be like, I'm going to spend months teaching these guys sign language and the act of them slowing down and having to express through that manner of communication is going to lead to peace. Like, that's a fucking cool, cool resolution to that plot. Um, and he has conversations with Jordy about uh, like Geordi's visor and. Uh, that i thought were interesting and like handled that well um literally
1: asks jordy like why don't you just fix it this is a question that people have had Mm -hmm. eternally it's like why don't you we have the technology why don't you do it and what is the line i think you wrote down the line that that jordy has here of like Um, why why oh there's like really there's a good jordy line i didn't
0: i didn't write the line down sorry
1: but he's basically like you know why you don't like why do i have to fix it you know like again the world can like work with this and it's not a bad thing like you know i'm not getting rid of a bad thing it's just like a aspect of my identity that i don't need to get rid of um yeah that i found really powerful and again i think is bolstered by the actor or yeah howard seago is the actor's name who played Hmm. reva this quote here in the first draft uh reva learned to speak overnight after a mechanical translator used to communicate with his chorus failed Seagull suggested the ending used in the finished episode the day prior to shooting. So Whoa. he like swerved in and it was like, guys, 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 you're, what you're saying here is not what you're trying to say. Let's let's pull yeah. back on that. And uh, I think that, that elevates it a lot for me. Me too. Is that an A?
0: Yeah. that To me, that brings it to A tier, knowing that yeah. context and just how that plays out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a surprisingly good episode.
1: Next up is The Schizoid Man the name of the episode guys it's also yeah. the name of a prisoner episode yeah i
0: thought it was a prisoner reference at first but then the episode isn't really at all
1: Mm-hmm. uh old man wants a body again he has a, a terminal disease he wants to have sex with his young girlfriend
0: yeah, this one's so horny oh he my t-
1: god he takes data's body and tries to use it there is something to be said about like ageism and bodies in here but also mm-hmm. it's like so weird and horny and the guy is not a good, not well performed it's william morgan shepherd and i think he's really try, he's trying his best he's like a well-known character actor mm. but like uh, i just i felt very uncomfortable with how horny it was uh, i thought the takeover stuff taking over data was like more funny than it was serious yeah and the episode doesn't do what it's trying to do fundamentally yeah, um, I agree. there is a there is a line speaking of like the show trying to do stuff, uh, where someone says, "No being is so important that he can usurp Picard. the rights of another."
0: Picard says that.
1: Picard is the goat, dude. Are you kidding yeah. me? He brings such good stuff to bad episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's them again doing great stuff with Data, asking like, "Well, why can't this guy put his consciousness in Data? Isn't Data an android?" And Picard's line is is basically answering that question and previewing what we'll talk about when we get to Measure of man
1: hmm yeah um let me make sure my
0: order is right because I think
1: I, I've, I've misordered the episodes here. Whoops, you've oops, oops, been going in the
0: right order so far
1: I have been so far okay great yep um, okay so then that means that the next one is a, is a matter of honor a natural selection oh God and then okay, what animal, are we rating Schizoid man by the way
0: like d. Yeah, I don't That's, think it's good. It's I think there's like lines or moments, but it's not. good. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. So, a natural selection enhanced DNA development triggers an epidemic of rapid aging, which catches Doctor Pulaski in its grasp.
0: This was actually the inspiration for the new M Night Shyamalan movie.
1: <laughs> I didn't. Ta- I didn't take notes on this one. That's partly why I was confused. I, I barely took, no took
0: notes. notes. This one is so boring. Yeah. It's I... so boring.
1: Pulaski's good, dude. That's what I've been realizing as I watch season two. I'm yeah. yeah. like, actually, Pulaski was good all along. But
0: Yeah, it's just when you center a plot around, like, I'm the dry doctor character doing a doctor thing, and I'm mm-hmm. going to put a bunch of makeup on this actor's face to make it harder for her to emote. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ugh, okay, she's going to solve the problem, I guess.
1: Exactly, uh, yeah. and Daniel, its already old. So yeah, it's like old people on old people makeup. So it's just like not, the same. It, Chief.
0: Yeah, it's just boring.
1: It's a D episode.
0: I think so. I, yeah, I don't really remember anything about it.
1: Okay, uh, a matter of honor is up next. Another wharf episode, but also a Riker episode in a way, as Riker is assigned to go to a uh, Klingon ship as an exercise, uh, sort of an exchange program. Uh, exercise, uh, and then things go kind of bad on the ship. Um,
0: in the like in today's prestige drama version of TNG, this would be like a half season arc where Riker is like on the Klingon ship, and I kind of want that a little bit. Uh, the only I, reason I don't I want like that, that is I
1: love Riker on the ship so much, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of but course. I agree. I would watch like it a
0: modern time. show would drag it out so long that mm-hmm. he's. On this other ship for months, and this just resolves it in an episode. But I, I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that the bluefish guy who comes onto the Enterprise is also kind of neat. He's just like a weird the Benzite nerd. guy. Yeah, yeah. I love a weird nerd. Uh-huh. I think this one. I think this one falls into B territory. I would have. I could have used a little bit yeah. more wharf, but um, yeah. The Riker stuff here is really good. He learns to accept cultural differences, and that's important. Yeah. Not every episode has to be uh, a miracle top tier episode like Measure of a Man, the most famous <laughs> episode of season two and one of the best reviewed episodes of all of Star Trek as a franchise.
0: Yeah. So we've got a couple more Captain's Logs to play here. I've got one about the next eight episodes and then you have one about this one. Excellent. So this is me about the middle chunk of season two. Captain's Log, Stardate date 629, 2022 the time is 1025 a.m. This was this morning, by the way, that <laughs> I you recorded that. Um. Okay, so I just finished episode 16 of this season, entitled Q-Who. And uh, you know I had to get on here to talk about a Q episode, except not really. I just want to give my recap of these eight episodes I've watched since episode eight. Um, I'm going to say right now, Q-Who. Q who, I know Q's in it. I know the board gets introduced. I fell asleep watching it twice, we'll um, so I gave up on fully watching it. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to get filled in on what happens. I've seen like 75 percent of it, but I fell asleep watching it twice. And note that I said like that it's 10:30 a.m. <laughs> and not uh, p.m. <laughs> anyway. What I really liked about this sort of mid stretch of TNG episodes is that there's this combination of really deeply investing in the humanity of the characters, especially data and sort of what is that? What does that mean? Seeing characters make choices that go against regulations or go against logic or go against the prime directive um, and see them wrestle with that, but also see that they're doing that for, you know, important reasons. So I'm thinking of Measure of a Man. Amazing episode. Um, I love that one in, in the court sequence. And Guinan's role, or Guinan's role in that episode, is awesome. And she's fast becoming one of my favorite characters of the season. I similarly really enjoyed. Oh, fade me out there. Because there's, yeah, there's other episodes that get into, like, gray areas of you know what does it mean to do the right thing Um, but let's focus on measure of a man so you have yours here can I play that
1: yes please go for it captain's log June 20th 2022 measure of a man wow dude (laughs) Nick, friend of the podcast recommended that one of us or both of us record captain's logs for this episode it's well regarded as one of the best and I'm sure y'all are about to talk about it but yeah I just want to say Maddox is is a nasty man I love a good space racist. I love when he goes into Data's room and steals his Chase Bear book and reads Sonnet 29. He's like, do you understand what this means? Pretty funny stuff. Um, also, he says, I'm sick to death of hearing about rights, which is a thing that a bigot says. <laughs> and uh, my last big note that I just don't, I don't know Fucking if you'll remember clapped. to cover, but um, Gwynin is a shout, is a standout here. It, guys. Um, talking about how when we create more than one type of disadvantaged individual and we create a lot of them, bingo bango we found ourselves in a slavery situation <laughs> and then Picard Sorry. has to just say it to her and it becomes less subtle but that's all right and uh, yeah it's a classic for a reason Star Wars got real quiet after this episode they can't they just don't do things like this and they talk about droids like they're people but they're not they don't get rights and meanwhile the measure of a man is like yeah but they probably should they probably should um, oh and last thing is data has the Tashaar memory hexagon in his quarters which I thought was very cute <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's what I got. Yes. I agree with that person. Everything they said is I, right.
0: Just to talk about that, that Guinan moment for a second, because I think that scene is a perfect example of Whoopi Goldberg elevating the material because she's having this conversation, conversation with Picard and uh, she's like, you know, it's, it's a pretty fucked up situation when you make all these androids and then what are you going to do with them? And then he's like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. So it's like slavery. And uh, she gives this look of like, <laughs> are you yeah. a white man like Telling explaining me. slavery to me right now? Yes. There's this like eye twitch, lip twitch thing of like, you fucker. And then she's <laughs> like, well, l- let's not go there. And he's like, no, 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 yeah. It's definitely like slavery. That's exactly what it is. And then he runs off um, and does this thing. Which, yeah, I think was is a really subtle but great moment from Whoopi Goldberg of just her being like, "Guys, <laughs> come on now, <laughs> be the careful." Su- the
1: subtext is text. Be- watch what you're saying. Come on. Uh, yeah, it's excellent. I think, yeah, this is the show finally understanding that's su- like the blending of subtext and text is where the richest like narrative meat is mm-hmm. in Star Trek. Um. Mm-hmm. I've learned since our discussion of season one that the data autism metaphor stuff was intended by at least some of the writers. That's like, that was part okay. of what they were going for, which Let's is see. disappointing, but like they were trying and I don't want to give them too much credit because I don't think it's handled very well, but like they tried and like data as a, and you can also read this if you want to be cynical. as like, okay, data as a like disadvantaged person or a disabled person or whatever the fuck, or mm. like the person deserving rights is like fraught, but also that's like, if you say that, then every Android story is fraught. And like, mm. that's the point, is you're supposed to look, stare in the face, the people that we don't think are people, and go, well, why is this one? Yes, but the other one is questionable. Mm-hmm. Why is this a question mark? Right. Um, I think I'm also gonna link the Legal Eagle discussion of this episode, because- Ooh, I gotta watch yeah, that. It's very, very, it's probably my favorite episode of his. Um because he goes into a lot of like what the the lady who's like a friend of Picard who gets introduced is talking mm-hmm. about um what Maddox is arguing the way that they argue things and the fact that like Riker has to play the villain in this in a way because he like by mm-hmm. law has to uh you know be he has against to be the prosecutor the... yeah exactly and he does it really well begrudgingly but he's very good at it and you know I just think it's stellar. I could listen to old guys talk about humanity and sentience in Mm an empty room all day. This is a Mm -hmm. flawless episode to me. I get the hype. I love Data, and Data deserves rights.
0: Yeah, and it's such a great way to build, because we know that Data's not going to get shut off and taken apart, because it's Data. He's the main character of the show. So how do you build tension around that? And I think the maneuvering of having Riker be the opposing counsel— you know riker you know that he's going to do the very best job he can because data's life is at stake if he doesn't then the judge is just going to summarily decide like okay take him out of here go go take him apart and so there is that genuine moment of of terror when riker does too good of a job at demonstrating that data is a machine and picard is like i don't i don't know what to say i got to go think about this and then it's actually a well-written response um, that addresses the substance of Riker's argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that moment when Picard says, prove, prove that I'm sentient.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, best part. Okay, what's what sentience exactly? Hold on, define it. And he's like, well, are you conscious? Yeah, I'm alive. I Are you self-aware? I'm pretty sure I exist. Uh, <laughs> he's like I forgot the third one is he's like huh weird I'm sentient okay easy Data <laughs> like, Data just <laughs> yeah. like calmly coolly answers yes all of them the guy's like "Uh, I this is hard he literally says like this is difficult at one point yeah. oh
0: I love it so I, damn I also love that <laughs> one of the like core pieces of evidence on Picard's behalf is that Data feels sentimental about the fact that he had sex with Tasha
1: Yar bananas bananas <laughs>
0: <laughs> who knew that that was going to matter so much
1: she's the one episode two. well because if she's going to matter to the people and that's one of her only like major plot moments then they're like uh-huh. well it has to matter mm-hmm. i think the, the moment for me i wrote in my notes this is the part that made my heart catch in my throat was and the conversation with gynan she talks about how making a million da- uh, data means you get a whole generation of quote disposable people and she says, that is a truth that we have obscured behind a comfortable, easy, u- or I think Picard says that behind a comfortable, easy euphemism. And it's like, shut it down. Like, that's why I said, like, Star, Star Wars is really quiet is because, like, you ca- I don't want to watch shows and stories about, like, droids and not address them as people now. Because, like, what are you doing? And what are you saying about, like, people who look different or are me may- or are synthetic? And what do we define as synthetic? this feels like a thesis statement on all synthetic lifeform stories that like draws a line in the sand and basically says like, you can't, everything else is, uh, is us BSing ourselves. This is the only way we can be honest is if we accept that they're real and they deserve rights. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, really applaud the writers of this episode. I know one of the main writers uh, actually had like worked in courts, uh, Melinda Snodgrass. Um, and so like, there is a lot of actually like, Good legal discussion happening here, huh. in addition to just good Very plot. Cool. Yeah, this episode made me cry. I freaking loved it, dude. It's <laughs> an S. It's an S tier for me. Yeah, I don't know about you. yeah,
0: this. Yeah, it's an S tier episode, definitely.
1: It's I, I excellent. you know, like I said, I'm not always here to say that the things that the fandom says are wrong. Sometimes they're right. Oh, God, Measure Man rules so much. I'm gonna rewatch it like once a year, dude. Uh, let's talk about the Dauphin. the the sure. dolphin. Uh <laughs> huh. Imagine so, Amick from Twin Peaks is in the sun. That's kind of cool. She,
0: uh, Shelly.
1: Wait. As who? She's the the Dauphin's like assistant. Wait, what? Yeah, the the girl that's like crushing on Wesley. She has like a friend who's like, "Oh, you really should like be careful who you you go out with." That's that's the, the shapeshifting point. lady. Yes, not the old lady. The yeah, there's like she has a young friend.
0: Oh wait, I gotta look this up
1: i got you i got you i got you i got you bam
0: i totally missed her
1: yeah there she is in the dauphin it's oh, wild yeah,
0: that's that's fun yeah. we also didn't talk about wasn't um donna 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 what's her name Lin <laughs> boyle wasn't she in an episode
1: was she i was not aware
0: no or some some twin peaks person okana like seduced
1: Oh, no, that's um, uh, that? Terry Hatchett. Terry, Terry Hatcher. Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. Desperate Housewives. That, you're thinking of uh,
0: Terry Hatcher. Oh, got it. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I am thinking of Terry Hatcher. Okay.
1: But the Dauphin. Anyway.
0: anyway, um, this is a very cute episode. I liked it. I really like Wesley taking her on a date to the holodeck when they're on the asteroid and the touch of like the sounds become more resonant as the scene goes on was such a cool random space thing. And Wesley going around asking everybody for dating advice. And like uh Worf is talking about how Klingon women throw things and claw at you and the men read love poetry. Uh, And then Riker and Guinan try to teach him how to flirt and they get way too caught up in it. Shut up, uh, kid. <laughs> Guinan says yeah, to him. <laughs>
1: I don't think this is how I want to flirt. She's like, "Shut up, kid." <laughs> <Get> <laughs> Riker's giving me sexy eyes.
0: <laughs> um, and then there's you know some like fucking creature from Black Lagoon, like B movie Godzilla looking ass stuff going on, yeah. which is stupid. Um, I laugh. Wesley though. does Wesley does a racism for a minute there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a goofy episode, but I, I liked it. I I enjoyed watching it.
1: It's got good parts to it, but I overall wasn't a fan. Uh, what are we talking B or C?
0: For me, it's a B. Uh, I mean, I could see it going either way.
1: I think the flirting stuff elevates it just to a barely making a B. It's clawing for dear life. Yeah. But it makes it yeah. The flirting stuff is very good. It's really good.
0: So good. I was so happy to see it again in the clip show episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. That's the thing yeah. about TNG, though, is whenever the episodes are bad, they feature a really good part, so it's hard to rate things very low because you're like, well, but yeah, there was this one good thing. Um, Contagion is next. Remember the Yamato from season one? No, we don't. It wasn't that memorable of an episode.
0: What What was it's it? It's a
1: sister ship that like uh, got destroyed for some reason. This okay. turns into, uh, isn't this the, like, he does some, this is not the time travel he
0: This is the one where they go to the weird, it's like the Romulans are there, and there's that weird planet with the super advanced alien species technology mm-hmm. and the teleporter door, and mm-hmm. then they help the Romulans. There's, like, this world building that's happening that I wasn't clear on if this was connected to some TOS stuff that I wasn't familiar with or something, but I didn't really have like a good foothold on this episode. Mostly. I just really liked the parts where Picard turns to the crew and says the word comments. And then everybody says stuff to him. That's pretty good. Or the scene where he's watching the montage of the guy's personal logs from the Yamato. It was Mm -hmm. like a pretty well-written, cool, mysterious sequence. Um, yeah,
1: I think Steve Tinzie can do a space mystery pretty well.
0: Yeah, I I just the like world building stuff I was having a hard time following it. I felt like I was missing some context or something.
1: Yeah, I agree. The Romulans have really big coats. <laughs> That's my one big note. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like really wide coats. Uh, and then how do they like fix the virus? Oh no, because the virus is like the shit. The ship like none of the technology works. And so you do get a funny yeah. part here where it's like, what is, how do the people on the enterprise deal with not having their technology? We don't have a, the replicator is broken. He asks for like tea and it gives him the leaves of a tea tree. And then, uh, Pulaski is like, you know how we fix things is with my cheese sandwiches <laughs> or, or no chicken soup. PCS. Pulaski mm-hmm. chicken soup. She tells them how to funny. do
0: like a shin splint. And they're like, this is barbaric. Is
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like we used to do that. <laughs> um, I think it's a I think it's a C or a D, honestly.
0: Yeah i I don't think it was bad. I just was having a hard time following it, so I'd call it a C. Okay.
1: Uh the Royale, not with cheese. <laughs> not a hologram, not a holodeck episode, but an away team episode, but not a TOS or on the <laughs> thing. It's like really it weird. Is
0: a it's a holodeck episode by any other name, right?
1: Yeah, they go to a planet that creates an image of like a 1940s dime store detective novel.
0: Yeah. And, and they're stuck in this casino.
1: It's yeah. fun. I don't know. I like, first of all, I love every time they yeah. play poker. I love every time that Data gets to be in a poker game. That's so good to me in Blackjack and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I love Data gambling and like manipulating the thing because it's already like weighted to eat, un-weights yeah, the dice. Yeah, him the squeezing
0: the weighted dice back into shape is funny.
1: He has a cowboy hat for a lot of his episodes. These are like Mm -hmm. good things to me. These are check boxes checked off.
0: Yeah, Data says baby needs a new pair of shoes and then he does like a snap. It's pretty good.
1: King. Riker Um, distributes the extra poker chips to the rest of the people.
0: Well, also Picard told him in the book it says that they were really generous.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: It's kind of a, that's kind of an interesting way to resolve like, oh, if you want to get out of the book, you need to become the characters who get out of the book. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's creative.
1: You never ending story sort of thing.
0: This is like, going for here. I don't really like to use the term filler episode, but like, that's what this is. It's just like, yeah, we went to the Royale and had a it's little also, adventure.
1: It's also a fun, like the different away team configurations of the season are all good. And in this one, it's Worf, Data. Worf, Riker, and Data is a fun Riker. squad. Yeah, yeah, that's just a really good squad. So I had a lot of fun with this one. I agree. It's like filler in the sense that like I didn't learn anything from it. But I think it's kind of interesting. And it just doesn't have any interest in explaining stuff. That's why I keep getting mm-hmm. going back to like, this is not a show that you need to watch in order, really? Because like, sometimes you just watch dora and you're like, that was weird. We went to a, a casino planet kind of. or like a virtual do they explain
0: why that was there or
1: uh, uh, I think they like briefly touched on it but my point is like it's not it's not a big deal yeah it's just like there is a it's an excuse for them to be on this cool planet
0: yeah
1: Um, it sounds like we want to give us a C
0: yeah I could lean B just because it's like that fun but I think it's C is what would you personally give it uh i would give it a c personally okay. yeah. yeah
1: i i would too um i do even though i like stuff about it a lot so next up is time squared mm-hmm. most importantly starts with Riker making some eggs <laughs> i love how quiet and domestic this first <laughs> shot is of like all right i found these eggs these are really good i do really good scrambled eggs and they're like oh these are bad uh Riker, what are these from and he's like uh
0: some uh, random place they're like not even really eggs the, somebody said omelets like you're you're gonna make such great omelets and then it's a close-up of him like scrambling them it's <laughs> like wait hold on
1: that's not an omelet
0: what the heck um wharf loved it of course because Klingons like bad food i guess and then uh, what this
1: turns into is when they're called to the bridge they uh see a cat what is it they like see a capsule that has picard in it
0: yeah they pick up a shuttle that it is an enterprise shuttle, and then they open it up and Picard's in it. The plot is they get stuck in like a wormhole type thing. And then in the logs on the shuttle, they see footage of six hours from now, Picard escaping the enterprise and then the enterprise getting blown up. Um, and there's some awesome boardroom discussion scenes in this episode. It's so good a lot of Picard trying to be a steady leader, but being really anxious and nervous and mad mm-hmm. at the thought of himself abandoning the enterprise, like a surprisingly interesting character study of Picard. I think, um, that ultimately for me buckles under the weight of the sci-fi concept, not really making sense. Um, mm-hmm. cause basically it's just like, he wants to break out of this time loop that would doom him to, being in the position that this other Picard is in and he like murders the other Picard too (laughs) for some reason
1: well he realizes that he has to but But I think like other shows they have to get rid of him other shows handled this Mm -hmm. concept of like we saw our future literally Babylon 5 is like centered on this concept Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, has a a central central plot in it yeah Babylon squared
0: Babylon squared is way better than time squared
1: Oof. Oof, boof, boof, boof. True though, uh, yeah, it's, it's not. Other, it's an idea that's cool that's not handled particularly well.
0: Um, B, B. I think like the 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 Picard character study stuff is actually pretty good.
1: Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. The Icarus yeah. Factor. Icky you don't like this one?
0: I just wanted to say icky. Oh, icky, icky. We got Riker Riker's, daddy.
1: Riker dad. Everyone has to have daddy. She's on these shows at some point. Oh, this is uh-huh. the one with PCS Picard Pulaski's Chicken Soup. Sorry, lore experts.
0: This is the one with horny Pulaski also.
1: Yep, because she's she has a consummate friendship with Riker's dad at some point.
0: This is also the one where they just rip off the, the, the thing from the prisoner, yeah, <laughs> the way, yeah, the yeah. fighting thing, and then they're like, let's just like add some kind of racist Japanese stuff to it and make it our own thing.
1: I can't look up that thing you're thinking of, but I know what you're talking about. It's great. The fighting that they do. Kasho Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah great stuff. and that that part in the prisoner, uh, in Hammer into Anvil, the prisoner episode is excellent. In this one, I don't know. I do like it when people have parents on these shows and we get to meet the parents. I want to Mm meet Morph's parents. I know we do later. They've talked about his parents before, Mm -hmm. but Riker's dad just is another toxic male who's like, I cheated to beat you at this game as you were a kid so that you would keep fighting me and never be able to Mm -hmm. beat me, which they handle that exact concept better in peak performance with Data. Uh, But like, Uh uh, I wanted more out of Riker's dad.
0: Yeah, I think it's just not that interesting of a plot now to have like a father and son be like, oh, we just can't talk to each other. And then they punch each other and they're like, oh, it's so hard for us to talk to each other. Yeah. Anyway, I love you, son. And it's like, motherfucker, <laughs> like this is toxic masculinity. This is a problem. I I don't want to just give a thumbs up like, yay, we beat each other up and now we can say that we're sad that my mom's dead. Yeah, you know
1: they don't really want to handle it.
0: Yeah, so it was fine.
1: Oh, is that? I think that's a D for me.
0: Yeah, that's what do you think of the wharf Wesley like throwing wharf a <laughs> a party? It seems, but then it turns out that it's like this Klingon ritual Training
1: again. Kind of uh, fun. I yeah, not fun enough. Not there wasn't enough of it. It's just like Wharf is really sad for some reason. What's going on? Is it his birthday? No. He actually is due for this like Klingon ceremony where he like takes a lot of brutal hits from these like death sticks mm. that he doesn't want to buy and then he survives it cuz he's really cool. And then they do it in the holodeck and he goes, "Thanks, guys. Hey, really good friends." <laughs> like mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I just recapped that whole plot. It's fine. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I do like people being nice to Worf always, always, always. Yeah. So that's it. That's a D. Um this is our yeah. the point of the season where I was like, "Wait, what happened, season two? Come on, like get back. Cause then you uh-huh. get pen pals, and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> What's going on? I'm so bored. Oh no. You didn't like
0: pen pals?
1: Not particularly. I thought I had I like the kid getting introduced. I like data
0: having but it. But you love like prime directive stuff.
1: True. True. That stuff's good. This one might be worth a rewatch for me, honestly. Can you give the overall rundown on pen pals?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, I think this is. Uh, to me this is at least a tier if not an s tier this would be like i would this is like my dark horse s tier candidate okay essentially pen pals there's two plots one is about wesley who's being given uh this seemingly not that important command over this like geological study that they're doing on these planets and it's like okay wesley go make your team put your team together and Wesley's feeling self-conscious about how he's got all these like cool older scientists who like don't really respect him. And the first guy he goes and talks to is like, hey, kid, at any point I can take over for you. We wouldn't want you to mess up on your first command. Yep. He has like a team meeting with them that doesn't go super great and they all doubt his choices. And so he's talking to Riker about like, how do you make a decision and get people to follow it? And he's like, you got to do what Picard does where he listens to people. And then he says, like, okay. anyway, this is my decision and you're going to have to live with it. So I think that stuff's great. And Wesley's team ends up like saving the day and fixing this planet that's having tectonic issues as a result of their research and his choices. Um, The data plot is that data has been getting these like kind of strange transmissions. And then he goes and admits to Picard that he's been corresponding with this young alien girl who he tells Picard. Picard's like, okay, well, her species does know there is interstellar life, right? Data says, no, sir. Picard says, oops. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> that's, that's, the word. that's what he says. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Data's been violating the Prime Directive by speaking to this entity uh, from a planet that doesn't even know that Not space travel really. exists um and this planet is suffering from earthquakes and she's in danger asking for help and so there's this big discussion about what do we do how do we navigate the prime directive um and pulaski's like we go and we help like fuck the prime directive and Worf is like i don't know but you can't just like kind of Kind of break the prime directive, it's an absolutist thing, yeah. Um, and so they get into this, yeah, philosophical debate about like, well, where's the line? When is it okay to help, and what sort of help should we give? And data is like really sentimental and wants to help somebody and is like becoming more human, I guess you could say. Ooh. Um, but yeah, lots I of good stuff. That. And my favorite O'Brien scene is in this episode where Riker goes into the transporter room to beam Data down to the planet, even though he's not supposed to, and it breaks the Prime Directive. And he's like, O'Brien, oh, uh, you didn't see any of this. Go take a nap. And uh, <laughs> O'Brien's like, okay, sir, I'll be napping in the corner. Um, and then Data leaves. And then O'Brien's like, sir, I just woke up. <laughs>
1: the whole mood, O'Brien. Yeah,
0: that's great. I think it's a really great episode.
1: Uh, you've sold me enough to give it a higher ranking than I gave it. I do. I did write that. I liked the Wesley learning to be a leader stuff and how that was handled very maturely. And again, like giving mm-hmm. Wesley a plot that, you know, as an adult, you're like, why don't you know how to be a leader? And it's like, yeah, because you learned how to do it. And Wesley never learned it. So like, let's get him to the point where he can be assertive and all mm-hmm. that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: also just enjoyed the episode opening with Picard on the holodeck, be really acknowledging his identity as a horse girl. Um, <laughs> because He's like, I would love an Arabian equestrian experience. And he like mm-hmm. summons a horse. That's fun.
0: Yeah, and there's that cool interaction with Deanna Troy where he says like, um, uh, I think he said like there are some people who believed that, uh, that Allah created horses by gathering up the western winds or something. And mm-hmm. then Deanna Troy's like, that's kind of what the holodeck does. And Picard's like, damn. You're wow. so right. He just blew my mind. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good.
1: I'm gonna give that an A tier for you. Yeah, I think that's fair. That brings us to Q uh, Who. Uh the one and only Q episode of this episode. Of this season, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh Q wants to join the Enterprise. Uh Picard's like, that seems really weird. Your race didn't like you. Maybe there's a reason they don't like you. You seem like a dick after the literal two times you've been a dick to us. And he's like, no, but I'm not just a dick. I need, You know, I can do cool things. I, I should test you guys. He teleports the Enterprise to a very far away part of subspace where they encounter the Borg, who reside in a big cube that assaults the Enterprise. And they're like, oh, God, we're not ready for this. They send it away to him on the ship. They're like, oh, my God, they're breeding Borg babies. A Borg comes onto the Enterprise, and they try to shoot it and fail. Q is like, you guys aren't ready for this too bad you need to ask me for help though if you want to get out because they're going to blow you up and mm-hmm. then they are like uh, i don't know i don't know and then he's like picard get over your ego for five minutes and say that you need me and he's like you I'm going to say it while i need you and then he teleports them away and then gynan and picard are like we're not ready for the war right now there mm-hmm. are things out there that we are just not prepared for a replicating yeah. self like modifying race that can like block everything we have uh, maybe someday we'll even be able to communicate with them. But for now, uh, put a put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. I just my thing with the Q episodes he's like, in theory, Q should be really interesting. You know, he's like a reality warper. He's like really powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did this is where we also learned that Gaiin it may also be some sort of like reality, de- defying being because she's really old and she knows him and she's like, don't trust that motherfucker. Yeah. But every actual Q episode just turns into like. A little scamp went and did a nasty thing to the Enterprise, (laughs) and then they fixed it, and then or he they said he he made them say sorry, and then he disappears, and it's like that's not what I want Hugh to ever be, right? So I'm like zero and three for Hugh episodes, but I understand that this is again one of the like two or three if you're going to call them lower important episodes. Like here's the Borg, here's the guy and stuff. Picard's good in this. Move on, Mm -hmm. it's fine.
0: Yeah. Like I said in my Cabin's log, I fell asleep twice watching it, so that's my review.
1: Uh Sonia's in this episode. Our favorite.
0: Yeah, Sonya's introduced. This she one.
1: makes the. Does she make the red mist in this one? No, that's later. That's in the. Cleanup. She spills that's...
0: the coffee on Picard in this one. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. yes
0: pretty yes. good. Pretty good.
1: C. Yeah. Sure. C is now caught up to D. Uh Samaritan Snare, an episode that makes me giggle only because the aliens in this episode look really stupid.
0: <laughs> and they act really stupid too.
1: Yeah, their defining characteristic is stupidity. Yeah. Uh, I
0: have they... um I have one last captain's log about the last six episodes before we dive into them. Groovy. Um here it is. Captain's log, stardate 629 2022. 20, 711. Sounds like a PM. spaceship. <laughs> I've just concluded season two of star trek the next generation a couple hours ago and i wanted to share my thoughts on this back third of the season so the first thing i want to remark on is the fact that season two has been surprisingly consistent and i think shades of gray it being such a weak point of the season being this strange clip show episode um, that includes so many clips from season one i think is a, a kind of punctuation mark on the quality of season two even if it itself is not a great episode it really drives home the fact that there was a lot of dumb stuff in season one um and what this episode is doing really well is placing a great emphasis on these kind of character level struggles and emotional journeys Uh, With Deanna Troy worrying about Riker, the way that Riker's trying to look strong in the midst of this, Dr. Pulaski uh, feeling a sense of accomplishment at it, Um, the sense of humor that the episode has at the end with Picard and Data and Riker saying that he's Captain Picard, uh, as much as it's a lame episode, I think the best parts of it are the things that were best about the season overall. And the worst parts of it are the clips from season one, where you're like, oh yeah, there's that guy with the glowing hand who touched uh, Riker for a while. That was kind of silly. I will say these last six episodes didn't really have any huge standouts. Uh, Just kind of like character interactions that I thought were strong. I really liked Wesley and Picard sharing their shuttle in Samaritan Snare. Uh, as Picard is going to get his heart worked on. I think that stuff's really great. Um, and again, an example of this kind of character-level conflict and discussion, as opposed to or in contrast to the other side of the plot, which is like, we're dumb guys who need technology. Um, not, not not so good. Uh, and that stuff ends up being the weakest stuff. Um, I'll fade myself out there. So, yeah, that was that was my general feeling about this one is... The, I don't know which one you would call the a plot, but the Picard needing his heart fixed plot is awesome. Yes, and the dumb guys kidnapping Jordy is not fun or good.
1: I like the way that they they trick them. Where yeah, they conv- that
0: that's that is good. Yeah,
1: the thing that makes the a plot the bad a plots work for me in this season is the, usually the solutions, and like the trouble there is usually by the solution. If you don't already like the a plot, you're probably not paying attention. So you're like, oh, what? They solved it? All right, whatever. But like, they solve it by, uh, first of all, Geordi disables the guys' like weaponry. He like gives them weaponry and then takes it away. And then second of all, they make it seem like the Enterprise, uh, is way stronger. And they're like, okay, well, we gotta just get off. You guys are not ready. You're not strong enough for them. And then they leave. Uh, but yeah, the Picard Wesley stuff is what you come here for. Picard actually has a heart condition. That's really interesting. That's, like, some development for our dude. Uh, and he has a synthetic heart. And he's really bitter about the fact that uh, this synthetic heart is faulty. Which I would be, too, right? you The whole point of getting a synthetic body part. Like, I mm. um This is not a one-to-one metaphor, I'm aware. But a little over a year ago, I got LASIK surgery and, like, got 20-20 vision. And there was a moment, like, recently where my eyesight, like, wasn't... I wasn't able to see something really far away. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I literally did the thing (laughs) that fixes your eyes permanent, like, almost semi-permanently, and I'm not, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. But, like, when it's your heart, when it's literally the thing that keeps you alive, and it's, like, 23-whatever, and it still is faulty, you're like, how far does society have to advance now? If Mm -hmm. we can fix Jordy's eyes, and we can make a synthetic heart, but we can't make Mm -hmm. a working synthetic heart, that sucks. Mm -hmm. And I understand Mm -hmm. Picard's, like, anxiety there. Um, Yeah, and it's also
0: interesting for it to be this emblem of his time as a rash younger man and this being a lifelong consequence of that um the story that he ends up telling wesley i think is really well told and moving um and uh, it speaks to like how did picard become the sort of chilled out kind of like intentional diligent guy that he is and why does it bother him and embarrass him so much to have this heart condition it's like partly it's a physical weakness you don't want the captain to be weak and also partly it's this like permanent reminder of a weakness of character of his that this is a consequence of um which i think is a really moving character moment uh, for us to see and i like to- i just wanted to say i like the moment at the end where he comes back on the bridge and everybody tries to clap for him and he's like shut up
1: stop (laughs) i sat in surgery for three hours it's fine i didn't do anything
0: yeah Yeah. i think this is
1: a b-tier episode
0: yeah i think that's fair yeah
1: the the truth is that season two's like highs are much much higher than season ones and its lows are about the same
0: so Mm -hmm. it
1: it trends higher for me even though our ranking is very evenly spread right now
0: i think it's Uh, lows are higher and its highs are lower.
1: Its highs are lower than the highs of season one.
0: I don't remember what the highs of season one are. To be fair, but I, I, I really think that there's only one S tier episode in the whole season, and that's Measure of a Man.
1: And it's the child. Oh.
0: <laughs> um. But like season one had way more. This is terrible. Or we haven't even touched bad, but actually good. Like there's no ironically good episodes of season two, really. Um
1: I would argue with the emissary maybe. Maybe. Okay.
0: Maybe. Yeah, we can talk about that.
1: It's the only one I would argue that for.
0: The one with Wharf's girlfriend? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> Let's get there. Let's get there. Yeah. The long ladder. Oh, speaking of bad, but actually. No, the bad the long ladder is bad but actually good. I figured it out. This is the weirdest. Yeah. I saw no, somebody argue right. that I saw somebody <laughs> argue that the... oh, that's it. That's easy. Yeah. Uh, I saw somebody argue that this one is racist towards Irish people, which is hilarious to me.
0: I wrote <laughs> I wrote in my notes that the way that the guy drinks the whiskey and reacts to it feels like a hate crime. <laughs> like right. He's like, oh, boy, that's good alcohol. Wow. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Especially guys?
1: the constant reminders. And again, this is going to come up when we talk about the emissary. That like you know how we don't like sometimes what the writers' metaphors are for their own show like the data stuff, mm-hmm. the writers also really definitely do want the Klingons to be African American people. Like that's mm. that's the specific metaphor that they're often going for. When it's broad, it works. When it's like you learn how to talk like we do or drink our alcohol, it's like uh um uh, what the huh <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so many questions it feels very weird. But I think the. Performances here are really funny. I love a strong woman. Um and I think Riker is too horny for his own good and needs to like have a spray bottle nearby in case he gets out again. Uh,
0: yeah, I like the way that he propositions her, is just by staring at her for a really long time. When and you're hot, like, that's how it works. Oh, oh, okay. All right. I see what's oh, going
1: on. Oh, you want to wash my feet.
0: Got it, got it, got it. Okay, Why I'm are they me. Irish like eighteen hundreds Irish people?
1: They really briefly... Data briefly explains it. So they um, are from a group of people who, like, in the, whatever, 23rd century... 22nd century
0: or 23rd century or something,
1: yeah. People came up... People were, like, so sick of where the Earth was going that they came up with a a, a faith called Transcendentalism, which is a return to the old style of things. So that's why they're like this. It's a really dumb... Like, if you wanted to explore that, I want an episode about that. I don't want this, like... And that's why they have, they speak like old times, and they have like old outfits and stuff. That's goofy. Mm.
0: That also doesn't explain why they're Irish.
1: (laughs) Specifically Irish, yeah. It's just like, (laughs) what's the... It's because it's funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh, I like enjoyed the experience of watching this episode, but then when I looked back, I was like, there was nothing there for me. (laughs) There was like nothing to grab onto.
0: The clone stuff is kind of interesting. There's this society... oh yeah yeah basically there were five people who started a colony and they kept their their uh, society alive by cloning themselves for hundreds of years but there's so now we need now we need more dna Mm -hmm. um and it is a pretty funny moment where Riker has just had sex with the with the irish lady and then he's in this discussion with these clone people and they're like well how did you avoid like sex did it make it illegal or something and he's like yeah at first and then now we just think of sex as so repugnant and then it cuts to Riker. <laughs> yeah powerful. it's kind of a funny kind of a funny edit really um powerful. but the resolution of this plot is so weird
1: it's slapdash it's just like all right, we got two different groups of people who are really different, kind of coming from different worlds. One of them needs babies; the other one loves to fuck. Uh, all right, switch them together. Which guys? I said this in season one. Isn't that also breaking the prime directive? Kind of. I guess it's right. not like they're not underdeveloped. They're developed, and they chose to come onto the ship. So no, is the real answer. Mm-hmm. But like, you ain't you. You literally defined like Pulaski. Weirded me the hell out in this at the end when she's like. Yeah, and then after several generations, you guys are gonna like start looking different. It's like, what the fuck? Like, you don't get to pick a whole society's like genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. That's weird, mm-hmm.
0: dude. And there's this really strange moment where, um, I don't remember her name, but the the woman who Riker has sex with, mm-hmm. who has sex with Riker, who is from the like Irish people group, she goes up to Picard. Brenna Odell brenna brenna goes up to picard and she says dude you can't just go to some back room with all these other men and decide on how society works and then expect women to bear the like practical responsibility of realizing that vision like it's easy (laughs) enough it's easy enough for you all to say yeah every woman's gonna have three children by three different men but then we have to do that and then she's like but so what is he he's like a prime minister or something is he pretty rich (laughs) He's, it's of, like, guys, He's like rich, right? Okay. What are it's you like, doing? You had like a really valid anti patriarchal point, and then you flushed it down the toilet.
1: Like, and it's almost an like interesting response to the child. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe people should have a choice of like what like society shouldn't determine how you have kids or if you have kids. Mm-hmm. So you can just do whatever you want. Huh? Nah, no, never mind. <laughs> like, hold on. You guys <laughs> episode's
0: to- over? Okay, got it, got it, got it
1: exactly it's disappointing in that way but I think it's it's bad actually good just because the performances especially if her dad is really funny but it's for sure yeah, a bad episode not,
0: when it's not like offensive yeah <laughs> it is
1: it, and it is offensive that's I'll give you that yeah. uh let's talk about Manhunt
0: this one's fun
1: this is the one I watched with my friend I'm so glad he got to watch the Luoxana on <laughs> a Troy episode <laughs>
0: what an episode i know this is your
1: first episode of star trek ever
0: oh man i mean it does have everything you need it's got these aliens who are like cryo frozen for some reason walks on a troy and the giant hanging out with her you've got some holodeck stuff it's like this really concentrated batch of tng weirdness that's pretty fun to watch
1: you want to know some fun stuff about this episode i do first I do. of all yeah it's a smorgasbord of like things i like there's some holodeck there's some very funny holodeck stuff with dixon hill and then like the guy falling following yeah, that stuff's all excellent um we got we again reference pacifica which has become like a white whale for star trek where it's like they're gonna keep saying like all right right after this we're going to pacifica guys we have like an ambassadorial mission on there and then they cannot go they must not go um, is that like
0: the capital or something
1: no, it's like a beach planet. It's like the planet oh, to hang okay. out and have fun on. And so that's why I love it, because it's like, we never get to go. I always want to go to Pacific but you can't go. Someday, I think Star Trek will actually show it, but that's become the gag. Uh, no, my trivia was, you know how there are those two like fish aliens who hilariously turn out to be like evil assassins with bombs nah. on their chest? <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah. hilarious. My friend loved that. Um, so One funny. of them is played you will never did you see my notes no you'll never guess who played one of the fish aliens
0: um
1: <laughs> musician 80s 70s 80s musician part of a band
0: oh i did see this and i can't remember who it was um, It's
1: mick fleetwood <laughs> right <laughs> he's in star trek he just is and he's in a costume like he's not That's
0: even. awesome that's so good.
1: It's not the best thing ever. I love Nick Oh, David. that's funny. He's just in this episode as an assassin in uh, Fishman. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, this is a great sample platter of an episode. Um, the Dixon stuff is funny. The way that Picard is like... Is this also the one where he's like, can you guys fix the holodeck so it's not scary? I don't want to like have to shoot people.
0: Yeah, yeah he it, says, is. it is. He says my favorite line, which is... Encapsulates what's good about this season of TNG, where he says he wants more ambiance, less substance. Yeah. It's like, yeah, give me nothing that. but vibes. That's, Only vibes. I'm looking for vibes here, guys.
1: Can I, right, it's exclusively what I need. Uh, yeah, I loved all that. And then I just loved, loved, loved Loaxana getting in there and not knowing what a holodeck is. And she's like, guys, I'm going to fucking marry this hologram. And they're like, uh, <laughs> This works out great for us. Yeah the beta zoids quadruple their sex drive, if not more after a certain age, they have like a reverse menopause. Yeah.
0: I like that. Riker Ugh. is with Dion and she's like, you know, I told Riker that we quadruple our sex drive. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, if not more. And he's like, whoa, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> and then he just starts like grinning. Yeah. yeah. Whenever, <laughs> whenever Jonathan Freaks does that Riker grin. It's, yeah. it's great.
1: My panty, my pants, um, get, they, they slip a little bit. Uh, yeah. I think this is an A or an S tier episode. It's really freaking fun. It's got it's no. It's really fun. All fill, all killer, no filler, in my opinion. I could watch uh, Major yeah. Barrett make Picard feel awkward all day long. I could watch Data mm-hmm. be a bad wingman when Picard wants to make the date, and so he's like, "Data, come in here and tell me long stories about your engineering invention.
0: <laughs> yeah. Woof. Yeah. And also, shout out to the the Starfleet like dress outfits uh pretty good yeah i wish Look, they just they wore were those and uh i like that we got a little objectification of picard when Boxana was like looking at his legs like oh you got some nice legs in those <laughs> dress tights there fella that was fun um i think it's an a-tier episode
1: okay i'm i was really glad that this was the first one i got to show a buddy because it was like yeah. We could kind have of very easily just gone a stinker and be like, wow, this is boring. And I was worried at the beginning. And then as soon as mm. Oksana got on, I was like, oh boy. I don't understand why. I said this in season one. I don't understand why the fans don't like her. Some of them don't like her. She's very funny. She makes everybody wildly mm-hmm. uncomfortable. She's yeah. probably lying, I realized, when she's like, oh, Picard keeps thinking naughty thoughts about me. She could be lying just to make him <laughs> feel bad,
0: Yeah, which is I much better. She funnier. might just be fucking with him. Oh,
1: I love her so much, Major Berry. Yeah. A gift. Uh, let's talk about the Emissary. We have conflicting opinions on this one.
0: Uh, potentially. what What's your deal with this one?
1: Well, first of all, uh, a half Klingon woman, half human, is the kind of thing that absolutely, 100% activated some sort of kink in hundreds of thousands of young boys everywhere. They're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I like girls, but also I think I like Klingons now. Meanwhile, I'm an intellectual, and I discovered that when I first saw Worf. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, it's it's really cool that the Klingons have this much, like, development only two seasons into the show, especially when you remember that in season one they were white people in black and brown face with Fu Manchu mustaches. Like, they fixed Klingons. Now they, like, have interracial drama about being mixed race. And like how marriage ceremonies uh-huh. should work, and cultural differences. Like, I, I, I was mostly goofing when I said this one's bad, but actually good. I think it's just like it makes me uncomfortable when Worf mm-hmm. is like, "So we're married now, right?" But it's supposed to make you uncomfortable because it sucks for her, for the woman mm-hmm. that's here. Yeah. Uh, k Kalar is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see more. I want to see more of Riker having girlfriends. I've, if, if like Picard has like of Worf having, having girlfriends. girlfriends? Yeah, sorry, yes. I want to see Worf having girlfriends. Picard has like had his yeah. girlfriends or whatever before, but Worf needs more girlfriends.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I liked all the interactions between... What did you say her name was? Kalar. Kalar. Um, I liked all the interactions between her and Worf to see Worf kind of on the back foot um, and see him overcome with... Because we have only ever seen Worf horny as like a gag before. Yeah. And this episode takes it seriously and is like, okay, this guy he caught feelings. He he you know, is trying to look tough, but he really likes this girl and oh, now she's shooting down his proposal. Um I I thought that was good. I don't remember a thing about like the conflict of this. Um of, Again, of, of it's it's what I was just besides that.
1: It's what I was just saying, right? When you like are interested in the beginning 20, 30 minutes of the episode, you know ne- I never remember the last 15. Yeah. And so the same thing here. They like trick some Klingons. Her and yeah. Kalar and-, and Worf work together and they they trick some other Klingons and it's like, "Good job. You did it." Yeah. Uh um, Yeah, I really like her. And I th- seeing like if a woman in a capsule just drops on the Enterprise, what the hell do we do about that? Yeah. He's uh really interesting and also that she's like Starfleet important. And there's like, something to be said about how like Starfleet will only allow you to be a, a Klingon dignitary if you're half Klingon. I'm sure they actually have full Klingon dignitaries, but like, she is kind of elevated as like, mm-hmm. oh, she's mm-hmm. someone we can talk to. And there's like, something going on there with the racial metaphor that I find yep. kind of interesting. Um, and then just <laughs> there's a part that could have been really subtle where Troy and Kayla are talking and they could have bonded in a really like personal way she's like but then instead of being subtle Kayla is like huh we both have parents who are, we are we're both mixed race you're half Betazoid I'm half Klingon you must have grown up like I did trapped between cultures and then Troy's just like hmm. yes <laughs> I was anyways mm. bye and it's like you just have to I wanted them to like actually talk and not just acknowledge that they're both they're coming from a similar background Uh, but that, mm. that's that's that one that's the emissary I think it's between a B and an A for me.
0: Um yeah, I think I think B just cuz I don't remember much the about NBL. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: She's good though. She's good in it. We're winding down here folks. Peak performance. Nah. The power he plays chess, the fake chess is good.
0: That game strat stra- stratagema?
1: Yeah, stratagema.
0: That game looks really fun. I'd play it. Yeah, and I love that the re- resolution is data trolling him by purposefully uh, tying. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. And then saying, I bust, busted him up, and everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, you busted guy. him up. Yeah.
1: I don't know why the Frangier are in this. I think it's just so they could have Armin Shimmerman be in season two. It's uh-huh. fine that the Frangier... Because it, it, it's, it's like whatever. they're doing an exercise where Riker has to take in a weight team similar to how Wesley did, but now he's on a ship. And they have to figure fix the ship and then attack and then trick the enterprise. Wesley like sneak some, mm-hmm. some, some material back and forth.
0: Yeah. It's like a strategic exercise to keep them sharp or something like that. Yeah.
1: But then the Ferengi actually show up and they both have to fight in the Ferengi. are like, why are you fighting each other? Tell us, or we're going to kill one of your ships. Yeah. It's fine. I want to see more Zach Doran, the guy, the strate- stra- strategic strategy yeah, guy, the
0: cheeky guy. I like that guy.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also there's like some good Picard Riker stuff that like suggests to me a ship brewing that I need to see more of between Picard and Riker uh-huh. yes agreed it's not as iconic as Kirk and Spock that's like literally the one of the first ships of all time but uh-huh. it's there there's a part where Picard is like damn he's so good at kicking my ass that I'm like oh my god <laughs>
0: Yeah, I lo- the guy is like, ah, oh, Riker, I can't stand that guy. He's so jovial. And Picard's like, that's why everyone loves him, you jerk. You Riker is the coolest guy I've ever met in my life.
1: Don't ever say that, Cole- Cole Rami. Who are you? You don't know yeah. Riker like I know him. Yeah. I think this falls into a C tier for me, though, because Rami is not that interesting and... I don't care about the Ferengi. There's, like, no particular thing I care about. Although, I just... At this point, I'm like, I like the characters. I like seeing them do things. Yeah. It's fine. They shoot the the other ship so that the Ferengi think it's being blown up, but it actually warps last second. Which shouldn't really work. I don't know the mechanics of that, but whatever, it works. And then, yeah, Data beats Kolarami by doing the stalemate thing, and he busted him up. It's Mm -hmm. a C for me. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, and that brings us to... The much aligned season two finale, Shades of Grey. Ugh. So,
0: how do you rank a clip show episode? Riker's right? like infected by a thing, and we're looking at his memories, and that's the whole episode.
1: Everything before it was a clip show was pretty good. I was like, oh, I like yeah. this footage. I, I like Troy actually worried about like him dying and stuff.
0: Yeah. She says or- Imzadi for the first time since the pilot of the show, yeah. which is great.
1: I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go, and then it's a clip. It's a lot. It's a full clip show. Like, yeah. there's barely any archival f- any new footage. Yeah. And I read the production, and it was like writers strike. Plus, the um, network was like, instead of a, you know, usually these shows have a week to produce an episode. They were like, yeah. you guys have three days make a finale. And they're Yikes. like, uh, okay, we have some old footage, and there was like one guy who's credited in the in the episode as like the researcher. Who found all the? Because remember, this is the '80s, so you had to like dig through old VHS tapes to find the old footage. Mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they just hashed together some stuff, and they're like, "Here's the scary memories. Here's the horny memories." And uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I, I wish that they had reversed it. Um, yeah, horny
1: memories save the day. Yeah, yeah
0: that would have been awesome. <laughs> but they were too cowardly. This one that.
1: has a three point four on IMDb. I get it. It's not good. There's nothing here.
0: I, under- I think it's bad, but actually good.
1: I think that's actually the correct rating. Because we get to do that, and that doesn't actually make us have to commit to a <laughs> lettering. Yeah. But like, it's fun
0: to see a montage of Riker's Boners or whatever you said before.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. It's not a very good production, though. There,
0: but. There's some campy value to it. But, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And I... Under- and like, I can get past that and understand that shows are made by people on time crunches from networks and that's great, but man, I would have liked all of this momentum from season two ending in a like exciting climactic finish. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I would have greatly preferred that to shades of gray, but like, yeah, I didn't despise it. I'm just absolutely never going to watch it again. Mm -hmm. No reason to. That's it though, folks. Um, I will make the tier list available. Again, in the show notes for people. But uh, our only S-rank episode for season two is The Measure of a Man. And our only <laughs> F-rank is uh, The Child. So there overall, we leaned heavily into B and C with a couple of A and Ds. and Yeah, um, pretty
0: consistent season, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, literally, if you look at our chart, it's like a perfect arrow. <laughs> with yeah. bad but That's actually good, holding up the line. Yeah, So I think this is overall a much better season than season one. Mm -hmm. uh i love the high like you said the highs are higher i could be persuaded that the lows are higher but i think that the lows are about the same honestly i just think season one is not as bad as we even remember it being like the further i get from it i really want to remind myself like no it wasn't that bad it was definitely bad
0: i don't think it was like horrible but i do think we had more episodes that were bad but actually good and more episodes that were d's and f's
1: yeah than this one yeah yeah
0: yeah, I think if we just even compared it to our tier list, it this season was more was more consistent. That there's like a stronger kind of average episode than season one.
1: Yeah, I'll even make this. Um, I'll put this in our doc so that the next time we look at old docs, we can say like, how did we tier the seasons? Make that convenient for mm-hmm. us. But that's season two of TNG. Um, final thoughts, Michelin.
0: I. I'm going to really try. I mean, I'm not going to hold myself to this too hard and embarrass myself, but I think for season three, I want to space it out more, um, and watch it, you know, a couple of week to try to get, to try to let every episode breathe. Cause I think there are episodes here that I just didn't let breathe or I wasn't able to appreciate them because they were so kind of reminiscent of each other when watching them all in a row. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see Dr. Crusher come back. Do we want to talk about, like, what we're looking forward to or thinking about? Yeah, yeah, I, I,
1: but just, like, concluding thoughts about specifically season two before we do that. Um,
0: yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I don't really know what I have to say about it. I think what this season demonstrates is TNG is stronger in its character work than it is in its, like, society work um and i don't know if this season is really better than season one when it does like kind of here's what's happening on this planet oh this group of aliens is acting really stupid or really weird it kind of has the same problems Mm -hmm. as season one of tng it just is like well we'll ignore those types of plots more so i would like to see it get better at those types of plots as a show um but also i think what we got was really great shuffling around of characters great interactions and relationships with between characters um really strong introductions to the ensemble that meshed well with everybody else Uh, and it's just a fun show to to spend some time with absolutely
1: um and then just for myself I really love this. I love this experiment that we're doing with like how to appreciate a season of television because we've spent the last like six plus years doing episodes of television. And it's a really different way to approach it when I'm like, I don't need to take notes on every single moment of this because they're never going to come up. And what that actually led to and also like measuring out the pace a little bit more for myself was I have like fonder specific memories, like I was saying earlier, of all of the episodes because each of them got a night. And so it's like, okay, I have for the rest of my life, or at least as long as my long-term memory will last, I remember what Loud as a Whisper made me feel. I remember how Manhunt made my friend laugh. I remember like, laughing at the, the makeup in Samaritan Snare uh, or being annoyed by Shades of Grey. Like, All that stuff is like crystal clear because like the show is just good to watch now. And it's not something I feel obligated to watch. I'm like, in love with this series at this point. And... So that's why it makes me excited to like look forward to. Now we're back; we're past what the fandom has called the rough parts, which is funny to say, and then we're into what people call the golden era of TNG. Ah, uh, so next time on Trek Chats, we're going to be covering season three. What are some things you're looking forward to first of all?
0: I think I'm looking forward to more of what's been working about this one. So give me more data and wharf stuff. Cause you know how to do it. I'd love to see Deanna Troy do more stuff. I don't know. I don't have confidence that this show is going to write her as well as I want her to be written. But I think Deanna Troy is really interesting and I want more from her. I'm curious to see what it looks like to bring back Dr. Crusher. Um, Give me more Guinan. Have Guinan talk to O'Brien. Come on. Yes. You, you that cowards.
1: Subtle detail that Pulaski hates the ter- the transporter because it makes her nauseous and she hates her organs being mm-hmm. reassembled. And mm-hmm. so in the last, in the second to last episode, I think it is, uh, she like gets teleported. She's like, "Ugh, gross. And then he's like, <laughs> where are you going again? And she's like, do not. <laughs> he's like, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. I love O'Brien as <laughs> a little troll. That's fantastic. Yeah.
0: Um. But just keep giving me scenes where Picard is asking for everybody's opinions and yeah. he forgives people for making mistakes. And, you know, I, that's all I really need from TNG.
1: Um, is there anything you know about season three?
0: Well, uh, we've seen the finale, so. Yep. John and I have I watched
1: uh, uh, Best of Both Worlds, parts one and two. So we've seen yeah. the end of season three and beginning of season four because we watched the beginning of DS9. Yeah that technically means we have, I was going to say we have fewer episodes, but TNG season two got a short order because of the writer's strike. So this was 22 mm-hmm. season three is 25, but really we only have 24 new episodes to watch new for us, mm-hmm. um, which is still a lot. That's beefy. And so if that's all, I, I am excited I'm ready, to
0: rewatch that episode now having more context because yeah. when we watched it prior to DS nine, we weren't really, we didn't find it that compelling. I don't think, um, But now feeling a deeper attachment to Picard, um, and I won't spoil the episode, but feeling a deeper attachment to Picard and the rest of the crew, um, I'm curious to see if that makes me feel more affected by the events of of the finale.
1: And, yeah, and like Riker and Data and like everybody who's involved in the plot Mm -hmm. of that one. Because of the way we do this, you're going to stop at the end of part one and then not watch part two for probably a month or two. So we'll get a break, which is similar to what people got. Not as long, though. Um, Yeah, things I know about season three. People love this season. We get some new outfits. Uh, We get another outfit update. So people get the the, the Starfleet uniform changes to a more broad-shouldered one, uh, which I'm excited for. I believe the theme song changes if i'm not mistaken not like drastically but like the visuals of it change yeah this is do you want to just like watch this for sec like, with me sure okay great this is our first time seeing this folks this is the tng season three opening mitchell and i are watching it i'm gonna just sync it up with the audio so we're gonna are you watching on my side yep okay great three two one go Okay. Okay. Alright. Planets, I love a new I love these new planets. This graphics look fine. Space. Stellar the final frontier.
0: These are the voyages of the starship enterprise. It's continuing mission. To explore yep. strange yep. new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Fancy! Pretty cute, pretty cute.
1: Yeah. I love a graphical update. I wonder if we get any new cast while we're here. But yeah, season three God of Levar Burton. LeVar Burton. My king, Michael Dorn. Yeah. Everyone's back. Gates! Gates, Gates McFadden is back! is
0: back. Nice to see. Marina, Marina Sirtis, of course. Brent Spiner. Quil Huyton.
1: How much more wrestler we're gonna get? I I know he leaves the show at some. Oh, really? Eventually, I don't think he makes level seven.
0: Oh, it's kind
1: of far. Yeah, I think he like goes to college. (laughs) 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 Gene, for all my problems with Gene Roddenberry, he did create an incredible legacy. Um, do we miss anything, Magellan? Is there anything else you wanted to like bring up before we call it a close?
0: Nope, I don't think so.
1: All right, folks. Well, um, that brings us to our plug zone. Um, just to pay the bills here, we got to talk about what we have going on. Magellan, first off, where can people find you on the podcast sphere?
0: You can also listen to me on another podcast called Super Smash Echoes, which is a monthly video game club podcast centered around Super Smash Brothers Is kind of the, the core thing. <laughs> we play games that are the games of characters in the smash bros franchise or games inspired by those games and talk about them it's me and my friend justin who's been on chats quite a bit so super smash echoes check it out alan what about you
1: fabulous yes i am on the hunter's quorum which is a monster hunter podcast i host with my friend six detmar from scanline media you can find that on scanlinemedia.com media.com uh monster hunter it's a video game franchise from japan where you beat up monsters and craft weapons from their bodies and we talk about the monsters of that franchise what makes them cool what makes them not cool and what the experience of playing it is like uh monster Hunter Rise sunbreak is coming out literally a day from this recording so we're probably gonna have a whole episode about rise and monsters of rise will encompass that so check out the hunter's quorum where you listen to podcasts i would like to now take it to the chats plug zone if you're listening to this on the trek chats feed just a heads up first of all that's awesome welcome Second of all, uh, we have two other main podcast feeds. Um, if you go to the chats, a television podcast feed found everywhere. Um, that includes Trek Chats, uh, the other show I'm going to talk about in Chats, which is our main show where we watch two episodes of classic TV shows every week. We are currently covering The Leftovers over there. Um, so it's kind of like a TV book club where we have a lot of fun. And that's every week. So you get a lot of us if, you, if you're not sick of us every, once every three months. Um, we also have Should You Watch, which is a podcast where we watch currently – airing or just finished airing TV shows and talk about them and whether or not they're worth your binge time, your precious, precious binge time. Um, but otherwise, if you'd like to get a hold of us, um, you can beam over a message to chatspot at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. If you have Twitter, we are at chatspod on there. And if you have Reddit, we are on r slash chatspod. We have a community run subreddit. We're friend of the podcast, aforementioned Nick. Uh, is running Throw Chats Thursdays, where we listen to old episodes of Chats because we've been doing this for a long time and we talk about the old ones. If you like Trek Chats and want to hear us talk about more Star Trek, rate us on Apple Podcasts uh, or your podcast platform of choice. That's how the algorithm gets us out to all the wonderful Trekkies out there. We have a Patreon if you want to support our work financially. We greatly, greatly appreciate you coming over there. Patreon.com slash ChatsPod. We have tiers at $1, 3 and $5 a month. One dollar a month is your sort of thank you, and your I want a little bit of content tier. Three is your I would like to get all of your content from years back, and also help you decide what you're gonna watch and do every month, whether it's watch a movie or talk about food (laughs) or whatever, or uh, uh, pilot shows. And then five dollars a month gets you all of those things, as well as a thank you at the top of at the end rather of every main feed chat show. So. As of today, thank you to our $5 patrons, Arthur, Chloe, Jen, Kat, Lee, Magellan's mom, Marcus, Marin, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Fendon, Six, and Stefan. All things chats can be found at chatspod.com and our podcast art on the main chats feed. If you listen to that, it's done by Camille Strader. I don't need to plug her here, but I choose to plug her here because she is awesome. And, uh, that's what we got folks before we take it home since this is replacing chats this week on the main chats feed over there we do something called chatsums where every week we recommend people something to experience between now and the next episode of the show so Magellan what do you got for chatsums this week
0: my chatsum this week last night i went out with some co-workers of mine to a trivia night so if you haven't Ooh. gone to trivia in a while it's pretty fun go i would say go do that we we won. Oh, you did. Yeah.
1: Wow, humble, humble. How tasty is that <laughs> humble pie you're eating over there? Jeez.
0: Mm, yummy. Um, is there were only like six teams at the place that we went to? But we won. We came within two points of the record for this particular trivia night. Um, we were two points shy. The I almost would have gotten those two points. This is the question that I was the most upset I got wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to see if you know off the top of your head. Okay. What is the last name of the family in the Beverly Hillbillies?
1: Well, I have no, wait, I don't, is it the, I want to say like the Cletuses. I don't know. That's I've never close. Seen that,
0: that's actually, that's close. Um, you're you're pretty close. I was trying, the reason I was so upset is there's a song in the Weird Al film UHF, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, which is a parody of, of Money for Nothing, and it's about Beverly, the Beverly Hillbillies. And I was singing it to myself because I knew at some point Weird Al says the name of the family. And the part that I could remember and then I couldn't remember anymore was right before the verse where he says their name. So Aww. if I just remembered it, we would have tied the all-time record at this trivia night. It's Clampett. Clampit. What? So uh, for the rest of my life, I'm going to remember it's the Clampett family. But trivia is pretty fun. You should go do it.
1: I've always been interested and I will try to do that in the near future. You've so never I'll been? Know. No, sir. I know people who've done trivia, including you. But I have We got to go.
0: Next time I'm in town, we got to get the squad together. We got to go do a trivia. The squad that you roll with would love trivia.
1: Yeah, I think the squad would be. Would they be good, though? That's all I really care about.
0: The squad that I'm thinking of well, yeah. If we're talking about the same squad, it would be really good.
1: Okay, great. You know, I was just looking at best episodes of TNG, by the way, and I forgot okay. there's another famous one in episode three, in season three, that we should be excited for.
0: Mm-hmm. Famous.
1: Famous. I'm not gonna tell you which famous. one, so you can mix, discover it organically. Great. Um, do you want my chatsum?
0: I would love for your chatsum. What is it?
1: I don't have one because. I've been playing, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek is the main thing, and all the other shows I've been watching, uh, I've chat-summed, all the other books I've been reading, I've chat-summed, um, and I've been playing Monster Hunter a lot in my free time, so it's like I, I'm, I am I would be without a paddle, but as of yesterday, DNF Duel just came out on Steam. Um, are you familiar, yeah, you're not familiar with this, I'm asking, it's the leading question, I know you're not. Uh, i <laughs> Dungeon Fighter Online was a Korean MMO that's been popular for the past, like, 15 years. It's it's really... It's pretty good, actually. It's got some, like, fighting game mechanics. It's a 2D MMO. Uh, Arxis, very popular anime fighting, fighting game developer, just put out DNF Duel, which is a fighting game based on the MMO. And uh, it's an anime fighter. It's 2D. But uh, I just got to recommend the experience of learning to play fighting games. I think when they're new and fresh, and you can play online with people who don't know what they're doing, just like you don't. There's nothing better than that, man. It's really fun. That's my version of stratagema, I think. is just like, hey, how, what is this? How do I block? <laughs> okay, great. I'm learning how to block. And you only really get <laughs> to have that specific experience playing a new one, because you can just throw yourself into the fray with everybody else. But I don't know. DNF Duel, not an amazing game, but specifically the experience of like playing a new fighting game before they patch out all the broken combos and learning how to get good at it with everyone else is a one in a kind, one of a kind experience. So, that's my broad spectrum one. Um, but that's what we got, Jalen. Thank you so much for being uh, the Kalar to my Wharf because you're beautiful, mm-hmm. and I want us to get married because we keep fighting.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Oh, that was easy. All right. Well, I guess we're married now. For sure. We'll be back in October 2022, folks, for season three of TNG. So get your comments and your watch time in by then. Uh, Oh, I forgot to mention, if you follow us on Patreon, you also get access to that Discord I talked about where I probably will stream more TNG. Again, you can just ask us to, whatever. But yeah, TNG season three, October 2022. See you all then. Engage. 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 Bye, everyone. Love you. Bye.